Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 47 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Now, my guests today are one badass couple. That is probably the best way to describe them. They are the Haskins, overkill Mark Haskins and his lovely wife, Vicki Haskins. Mark and Vicki, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, thank you so much for having us on board. Yeah, it's great to uh, to have you guys on. Um, man, I haven't. I think the last time I saw either one of you was February of 2020. At uh, was it at um, or maybe it was even before that? I don't know. Were you at the Free Enterprise show in in Baltimore? Probably. I have a memory like a sieve, and yeah. I get dropped on my head for a living. So. <laughs> You know, there's there's not a lot of rummaging around in the gray matter up there, do you know? So it was probably around then. If uh, if it wasn't Vegas, were you in Vegas when everything got shut down? I was not. I did not make okay, that. Okay, then yeah, it must have been before then. Yeah, so that was a pretty mad experience because we flew out to Vegas, uh, had the big title match scheduled with Roosh. Super excited, you know, one of the biggest matches of my career. And as uh, the plane touched down in Vegas, we, we turn airplane mode off of our phones and just get bombarded with messages saying that everything was canceled. I and, think it's yeah. just there was a point where you, me and Henry just like, without saying a word, just looked at each other and like, what the hell has happened? <laughs> this is the weirdest thing. And it, it was a hell of an experience as well to see Vegas deserted which yeah. was really yeah. bizarre that i felt was like it was creepy. in a zombie movie yeah it felt odd it felt odd yeah it was really it was weird it was now, mark really- i'm yeah, you would probably you've been to vegas before right for ring of honor yeah a couple of times but vicky had you uh yes i have got a i always forget now but yeah no i've been there uh hey, don't you don't you forget that you know there was uh that magical moment that we shared when <laughs> i got power bombed through a table by bully ray in front of you well, that, yeah i mean that happened in vegas it, you know good times so, happen it was more so that imagery staying in my head more so than being in vegas at, at that point ah. but yeah I, I mean it's come flooding back to me now um yeah i've been there once before but you know like when when we fly over we have very little time to kind of explore so yeah. it's like we can be in vegas but as far as we're yeah, concerned you see, you see the inside of a venue the inside of a denny's and the inside of a hotel and apparently yeah been to vegas you know, yeah like, that was our vegas experience <laughs> basically we went to walmart that was exciting we did we did you know i got to see all the sites <laughs> yeah it's funny when you're in this business i know when i was uh traveling on the road people say oh that's great man you've been to all these different places You've seen so many things. I'm like, yeah, I've seen the airport and the hotel and the arena. Like, yeah, there's really yeah, a lot of time yeah. for sightseeing. 
So. Yeah, that is that is very much it, isn't it? It's only in the last handful of years I've really tried to make an effort to try and, you know, spend a little bit of extra time going around. Or, you know, if you're on the schedule, like, you know, you try to you try to fit things in. So you're like, okay, so here's my hour where I where I'm <laughs> scheduled to have fun. This is yeah. where I will be, where I will have my fun for the day. And then the next hour is walking back to the venue. And then, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a job, isn't it? Trying to fit everything in. Especially a lot of the time, like that we fly out for Ring of Honor, we fly in the day before. So we literally fly in the day before and fly out the day after the weekend. And it's like so the it's, night before as well. So we get there maybe yeah. at six, seven at night and then, yeah. You know, we've got to try and get on US time as well pretty quickly. So, because otherwise, when it comes to showtime, you're just completely disorientated. You have no oh. idea what's going on. Right. Yeah. For those who don't know, you guys are five hours ahead of mm. Eastern time here in the States. So, it's, it's morning right now where I am and it's uh, afternoon where you are. So, yes. yeah, I can imagine. We're at 4 p.m. right now. Yeah. So, I can imagine when you guys travel to the States, there is that adjustment period because your bodies obviously are on a different time clock. That's a whole other thing that, that you guys that are overseas and, and come over have to deal with. Let me talk to you though about that Vegas thing. Um, so you get there and you find out all this crazy stuff is happening. And I know some people made the decision, some people that were, you know, traveled from overseas, like, um, well, I know like Slex coming from Australia, he had to make a decision. Like, what do I do? Do I stay? Do I leave? And he ended up going back home. He didn't want to get stuck in, in Vegas. He didn't, because we didn't know what was going yeah, on. Right. You guys stayed, right, for the whole weekend. And Mark, you actually did a match, right, with Jay, Jay Lethal? Yeah, so once we touched down, um, well, this was really the first thing I'd heard about the coronavirus. Like, we're, you know, we're pretty much hobbits. We just, you know, stick to our own <laughs> little, you know, our own little burrows. And we don't, you know, go out and really listen to the news or, or you know, stay up to date with things so you know it was a, a lot of it you were learning as it kind of unfolded and um but one thing i thought well you know if everything's cancelled then everybody's going to be at home you know it was i wanted to run a live show that day i was totally up for it i was like that's what we had scheduled anyway why don't we go ahead and do it because people are going to be sat at home you you know you'd be the first company at that point to go ahead and have like a live show itself but we ended up deciding to take a different direction i ended up wrestling jay lethal and then uh i think we ended up trying to get an, an early flight home because it would have ended up being say the monday and we were terrified that if we Born didn't know how gonna, quickly yeah. things were going to change. And if we got stuck in America, we didn't know how long we'd be there for. If we're there for, you know, six months, that's great when you don't have kids. But when they're stuck <laughs> right. with the grandparents back yeah. home, you know that it's just going to be an absolute nightmare. So it was it was of urgency that we got home just to make sure that we could, you know, just to guarantee it. You know, yeah, it, just to make sure that we could get home to the kids. I mean, there was there was a group of us that were flying back to the UK on the Monday and everyone who got on those flights got back okay i think it was just we were just thinking of our kids and going oh god it, everything does shut down we don't want to be stuck god knows yeah. how many miles away from them and not be able to fly back so it was just imperative that we got home on that saturday wasn't yeah it? big shout out for caitlin as well who worked yeah she was incredible she, yeah she was the one who ended up helping us out and really uh really took care of us Yes, Caitlin is one of the unsung heroes in the ROH office, for sure. Absolutely. Very much so. Absolutely. We'll give her a little shout out on the podcast. <laughs> so you, you decide to stick around for a little bit. You have this match with Jay Lethal. Uh, yeah, obviously, we've gotten used to now we're doing these since we did our restart. We're doing all empty arena shows. How strange was it for you, Mark, though, at that time to wrestle Jay in an empty arena and 
obviously, like you said, everything's changing so fast. The world is like upside down. And here you are in a ring with Jay Lethal, that, a match you didn't think you were going to have. Uh, obviously, you said you were supposed to take on Rouge at the 13th anniversary or the uh, 18th anniversary show on the 13th. Uh, so, I mean, what was that whole experience like for you? Man, I was excited because any, I mean, I've been wrestling 14 years now. Do you know what I mean? Like I've done a lot of shows in that time. Um, and any time that something is slightly different anytime that you have a different dynamic to a match it opens up so many more possibilities and i think that you know your creative juices can start to start to get going in in regards to things that you can do or different ways that you can use things around when there's not a crowd the other side of a crowd barrier is so much more exciting to try and jump over them or you know throw people into them (laughs) knowing that you're not going to get shouted at when you get to the back you know so um is room to play yeah, lots of more room to play. The one thing I will say, though, is that just any time you take something that, you know, hurts at all, it just sucks. There's so much less of an adrenaline kick. When you, like, if you take a big move and you land, you might be, like, wiped out for a second, but at least it, you can feed off the energy of the crowd being there. When the crowd isn't there, it just sucks. You just hear, like, your soul leave your chest. <laughs> You're like, oh, no. I just listen to myself just breathing, like, oh. This is going to hurt just to get back up. There's so much of an adrenaline kick in when you're in front of a live audience. That was the one big, uh, I think, difference. Um, but also a funny story as well. Is during that match, I actually think I ended up breaking my toe. <laughs> no idea how, but because when we got back to the UK, we had to quarantine for 10 days. It just ended up being one of these problems I never got fixed. So for the past year and a half or so, however long it's been, yeah, I've kind of had a... Another another broken bone in my foot. <laughs> Just what you need, another broken bone. Another one. Yeah. Another one. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> so where are we right now as far as uh, the pandemic situation where you guys are in England? I, I looked, I did a little Google search again, you know, before we uh, started uh, talking today. And it seems like the cases are, are way down. They've taken a nosedive, right? So, I mean, are things getting back well, to normal somewhat? I wouldn't say normal. I mean, it's been pretty full on since last March. I mean, the schools have been, well, we haven't stopped, have we? Well, we haven't stopped. No, but like outside has. So from last Mm. March, you know, the kids were taken out of school, which obviously affects us quite a lot. And then um, they were put back into school uh, from the summer to Christmas. And then they were taken out of school again. So we've been homeschooling them um on top of trying to do everything else it's been a real challenge and it's great to finally realize that you understand like you know very very <laughs> basic maths <laughs> when you're doing the kids congratulations yeah. <laughs> like, i finally understand prime numbers yes well done mark <laughs> but yeah i mean right now they're looking at opening things up a little bit they're giving uh giving us a few different stages um kids are going back to school in a week uh, and then as of the second week of April, shops are opening up again. And then they're hoping by May, June that we'll be allowed to like fly out of the country. But right now, everything's just locked Look, Boris down. Is, Boris has got a plan, right? He's, He's got a plan. He's laid mm. out some dates. He says he doesn't want to go back on them. But, you know, they did also tell us We're that we would be going into another crossed. lockdown. And then we did <laughs> two or three times over. So, you know, it's... um. It's been a bit of a comedy sketch, really, in England, yeah. hasn't it? We've been in and out, in and out. It's just, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, so, um, but it, it's looking up. It's looking up. And especially as well, now it's starting to hit sort of like spring and summertime. 
um, it's, it's making any kind of lockdown at least a little bit easier in the sense of when you can go back outside and enjoy some sort of, you know, it's not sunshine in your garden, what have yeah. you. Yeah. When it's, yeah, you don't really enjoy or appreciate the space that you might have as much when it's in the winter months. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, with having two smaller kids, um, I talked with Mark before we started recording. I know that your kids are, uh, you have two, uh, one's eight, one's six. Uh, yeah. A lot of times parents look forward, you know, to the school year because not that you don't love your kids and I'm a parent myself, so I get it, but hey, I get to have the kids gone for seven or eight hours a day. Oh, the time, <laughs> the silence is so, is golden. So it's like I love, I love being a dad. Like, you know, my, my kids are my everything, but just having somebody else essentially babysit them for a handful of hours through the day. Mm. Just, yeah, it gives you, it gives you time to breathe, doesn't it? Yeah. Like it gives you it gives you, you time to be yourself, which I think is really, really important. I've really enjoyed homeschooling them, but I think I've, I've got to the end now of it. I'm thinking, yeah, okay, you're ready to go back to school. But, you know, I've enjoyed it. But, yeah, I mean, this way I can carry on doing things I love, like photo shoots and carry on doing, you know, things that I can't do when the kids are in the house and they need my attention like, 100% of the time. So it's fun to kind of be able to go to the gym for a couple of hours and, you know, not have to worry. Yeah, just have some free time, really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So when the lockdown and the quarantining was like at its worst and you guys had to stay in the house, what kind of things were, were you like binge watching TV shows or like, what were you doing to keep from going stir crazy? <laughs> I've, I've binge watched so much. Um, I've binge watched, uh, the crown, um, because that was, everyone was talking about it. So I kind of wanted to have an idea of what it was. Uh, all about um i never got into x files as a kid which is really silly because i'm that's basically the stuff i'm into um so i started watching x files yeah vic and- was very excited about coming on uh, you know the fact that you had the x <laughs> files right she was she, yeah i love it and then i absolutely fell in love with Gillian anderson so i've basically binge watched everything she's been in since so and and, uh, and david Duchovny's career so as well <laughs> that yeah. was more of an accident than anything else really <laughs> he just seemed to appear in things that i'm watching but i it just like yeah um i watched uh the haunted a haunting of bly manor that was pretty cool um but yeah i just kind of binge watched x-files more than anything else yeah i on the other hand have yeah had a very interesting time <laughs> you've not um, done the binge watching you've done the no. absolute opposite so i'm I'm a bit of a weirdo, mate. Um, um, I <laughs> like doing really crazy challenges to try and push myself. And um, this past, like, I just, I love training. And this past year, I tried to figure out a way that, you know, I always feel that if you have an obstacle that presents itself in life, like that's just a different opportunity for you to find your way around it and to learn something else about yourself. It's a way of like, you know, um, emotional and uh, spiritual discovery, right? And uh, so in the past year, you know, I've taken on a lot of challenges. Like I had basically, uh, so my granddad was a farmer and he used to make me all these toys out of uh, bits of trees that he would find around the, wo- uh, around the woods on his farm. Um, so he'd build these little play sets for me and my dad would build, build me little wrestling play sets as well and numerous things over the years. So, you know, when we went into lockdown, I decided that I was going to try and get into woodworking and take on something I felt like had been in the family for the past few generations. So I ended up building a, 
a calisthenics rig out in the garden. I have like a pull-up bar, a, a couple of dip bars, and then a, a flat bar that can also be used for numerous exercises and just try to build up a home gym from there. But over the past year, I've taken on lots of different things like running, uh, running something that David Goggins does, who's a former U.S. Navy SEAL which is uh, running four miles every four hours for 48 hours straight. So that was quite fun. Um, You know, the the usual things you do when you're bored. Do you know what I mean? Like getting into Wim Hof breathing techniques and doing things like cold therapy. Like basically I've got a whiskey barrel out in the garden, um, which I've filled with water. And yeah, I'll jump in it and because it helps just it helps you recover from training, right? So if you want to recover, you have to do things like hot and cold therapy. And it's just yeah, it's been it's been interesting, you know, breaking the ice on the barrel itself just to climb into it in the middle of winter. You know, your neighbors think I'm crazy. They're very much looking forward to when you guys can bring take me back. I'm sure. <laughs> uh yeah, you know, this is the forty-seventh episode of this podcast. So I've asked some variation of that question on every episode. And so congratulations, Mark. That is the most interesting answer uh, I've gotten yet for what you've done, what anyone has done during the, uh, the lockdown or the quarantine. Mate, that isn't even the half of it. <laughs> Dude, like, the way that I looked at it, right, is like if the match with Roosh didn't happen, at least I'm still eligible to some extent and I'm still a contender somewhere up the card. So I thought, you know, all I can do is use this time. This time is going to pass regardless. I don't know how much time I have. Uh, you know, that sounds so much more. Uh, sounds very yeah, that sounds very dramatic. That's yeah. not, I don't know how much I have, how much time I have away from wrestling. That's, that right. sounds nice, doesn't go. it? Free so time. yes. So the, the, all I can do is just, you know, work on every aspect of my game as much as I can up until the point that I come back. Um, and it's one of these things where I think when you discover that, you know, you love the process, like the certain things that, you notice, you know, the, by just changing like a little aspect of your training, it can change your mindset in regards to everything else. It's, it's been a real, real fun time, real interesting time. You know, I've taken up mountain biking. I've ended up running from um, my house up to these nearby hills, which are about sort of like six, six or seven miles away or so. Um, with, a weight with, with a, yeah, 20 pound weight vest on and mm. stuff. So uh, yeah, I've actually gained weight as well. So in the last, last June, I was 160 pounds and I decided, well, if no one's going to see me for ages, I'm going to bulk. So I hit <laughs> eat the world. Yeah. I ended up hitting 200 pounds uh, about a couple of months ago and now I'm on my cuts on my way back down. So no one's going to see this big belly that I've, <laughs> I've got. And when, by the Sounds time I get, by the time I get back, everyone's going to be like, yo, skins, you look fantastic. And I'll be like, I know. And no one will know that I was, yeah, a massive balloon for like half the year. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's happened to a lot of us, Mark, uh, during this past year is uh, put on a few LBs, maybe in the wrong place, a few pounds, uh, you know, maybe in the wrong place. But uh, yeah. Well, that's I'm the good sure. thing about Zoom webcam, right? Is like you can position it just at your face and no one, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, keep it on the keep it on the headshot. Even though you know sometimes the face might get a little puffy too, but yeah, can't see the full body shot, which is a good thing. You know, speaking of though, a headshot. What a perfect segue because I saw a headshot of you on your Twitter recently, where you did some grooming, right? I guess you trimmed up your beard. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't tell from your. Was your hair? Did you cut that long, beautiful hair, or was it just 
pulled back into like a ponytail or something. No, it was just back in a ponytail. I think okay. if I cut my hair, Vic would like divorce me. Oh, I wouldn't, no, <laughs> I'd be sad. I love your hair. I love your hair. No, you're not allowed to cut it. <laughs> yeah, I thought, my God, if, if I had a head of hair like that, the last thing I would ever do is cut it. So I was worried there for a second. Oh, no, he's keeping that. No, man, I'm like Samson. All my, all my strength's in my hair. Do you know what I mean? So I, uh, yeah, I, I can't pull down walls <laughs> without it. You uh, had a couple matches uh, for Rev Pro in the summer um, while ROH was kind of on hiatus, but you haven't been in an actual match since then. Have you been able to get into a ring at all and, you know, try to roll around a little bit or do some things just to sort of, uh, not have any rust be there when you do come back. No, I've just been I've just been training at home. Like I just I think that there's other aspects on my game that I can work on right now. Um, and it's one of these things where I feel like I've done. I've you know when the time's right, I'll probably end up going back to a you know a ring and end up rolling around. Um, but obviously with COVID restrictions and stuff, that hasn't always necessarily been the case. Uh, so we'll play it by ear, but it's, it's going to be interesting, that's for sure, um, to see going back to it because I want to get myself into a position where I feel a little more, um, I don't know, like I, what's the word I'm looking for? Basically, I just want to feel more confident in my own physical abilities when I get back to the ring, because I want to put that to the test. I want to see what it is I can do, having gone through this past year of training, having done all the gnarly things I've done, having tried to work on different aspects of my game, like strength and hypertrophy and what have you. Is uh, So it's going to be interesting going back to wrestling at some point. And also as well, because, I mean, I've been doing this, say, 14 years and then training for three years before that, so 17 years in total. You know, it's a point in my life where I feel very fortunate to be at least, you know, we're in a great position and, you know, we're being taken care of, we're being looked after. And, I, you know, it's time to just kind of rest for a bit, you know. It's, I've been training since the age of 15. I just think that that kind of punishment on the body over an extended period of time is going to have a, a certain neurological effect. So it's just this past year, really, I've just really wanted to take in, taking that time to just heal just you know kind of um it, it feels like i've had we've had our heads down for the longest time hasn't it the, where yeah. we've just been plowing forward working as hard as we can and then we've kind of this is the first chance that we've had to just sit back and just kind of you know like relax a little bit just bring our heads up and just try and get a breath of air and it's uh it's it's interesting when you come to the realization you're like oh i'm not like 15 anymore yeah, <laughs> you know what i mean think we've been you know we had an experience like this away from wrestling since we were about 15 because we've always been either training or we've been working every weekend or we're traveling or whatever it's it, it we haven't had a break i think uh, what was it like three months four months yeah is the like most the longest that you've time had that we've had off is like literally a couple of stints at like three months um a piece you know what i mean so this is the longest time that we've had away from wrestling entirely. Right. So that can only do like the best things for your body at that point. So if you, if you work with that and work alongside that, when you go back, you'll be like 110%. Yeah. I think that's a great point that, you know, the, the pounding that your body takes, obviously uh, the human body is not meant to take that kind of punishment. So certainly getting some time off to rest, to heal up the body is great. On the other side though, when you come back, in that first match and you take that first bump, it's probably going to hurt like hell, wouldn't you think? 
it always does you forget you forget that it hurts and you'll you come back and then suddenly oh yeah like oh why do i do this i should have just walked away well mark i know that you recently uh re-signed with ring of honor which was great news uh for ring of honor fans great news for you know all of us at ring of honor still want to see that match with you and roosh for the world title or whoever might be the world champion if it's not roosh whoever it might be uh when you do get back uh, what went into your decision, just if you could talk about it, you know, briefly, of of re-upping with Ring of Honor? Money. I, <laughs> basically. Hey, that's an honest answer. There you go. <laughs> Money. <laughs> no, well, I appreciate that Ring of Honor have taken care of us. You know, um, I've been signed to wrestling companies before and definitely haven't been taken care of anywhere half as much as, as Ring of Honor has. So, and loyalty goes a long way in my book. So I want to, you know, I want to repay that to Ring of Honor. You know, I want to come back, extend the contract for as long as I was out for. Um, and yeah, just before Ring of Honor, before this whole thing happened, Ring of Honor was in a place where the, the overall vibe in the dressing room was, you know, we just wanted to put on the best show that we could. We wanted to take the fight out there and we wanted to, you know, remind people that this isn't a company to sleep on, you know? So um, just as it felt like everybody was kind of getting together on the same page, just as it felt like everybody was about to come together and make this communal effort to make Ring of Honor the very best that it could be, COVID hits, yeah. right? So um, it's the very, it's, there's very much a family vibe in the dressing room and having, just having a, a a place like that where you have like-minded individuals that just want to go out there and kill it and just want to do the very best performance that they possibly can. That's motivating. That it's motivates infectious. me. It's very infectious and it makes me want to do better. And that's why I thought, well, you know, money aside, you know, <laughs> Ring of Honor <laughs> is the company that I, you know, I see and I call myself my call my home at the moment. Do you know what I mean? This this is where I call my home. This is where I have my loyalty. This is where I want things to go in the next few years. And money. <laughs> <laughs> well like i said it's uh it's great to have you uh still in the fold can't wait till you get back i mean you were a big part of a transitional period with ring of honor because as you know at the end of 2018 uh there was an exodus of some guys that were really over uh, cody the young bucks adam page um, scu also left and so I think there was a lot of, you know, a lot of people were looking at Ring of Honor and be like, okay, well, what are they going to do now? They just had all this star power leave. And there were some key signings that kind of quelled that talk right away. And that was guys like yourself, uh, Bandito, uh, PCO, Brody King. So um, when you were coming in at that point, I mean, what were your thoughts? Were you like, okay, this is like a great spot because, you know, all these spots have opened up and, and we can really open some eyes here. I mean, because like I said, it was a period where people were looking at Ring of Honor, like, what are they going to do now? Well, I think that what people often forget is that history repeats itself. You know, there's been multiple times where Ring of Honor has been raided of talent and they've still continued to grow and develop and rebuild and come back stronger each time. And I feel like this time was no different, you know, is uh, you know, it was still in the early stages of rebuilding, but that's what, you know, Ring of Honor is currently doing. Um, I don't know what happened to all those guys, you know, where did they go? You know, all those guys are left. What happened to them? I think they just retired. Right. But yeah. you know, opportunities arise, you know, you sure you, you in, on one hand, you might be gutted that there's certain people that you wouldn't be able to tie up 
with uh, you know coming in. But on the flip side, you got to look at it as well. It's like now there's an opportunity to spot say, you know, Ring of Honor is a a company that has always always seemingly had the stars of tomorrow today. Do you know? So it was just a different, you know, it, once again, it was just a different opportunity to just to come in and just, you know, be, you know, step up to that level, step up to that challenge and try and fit that role and uh, fit that hole that was left open. Absolutely. And, and look on a, you know, just being quite frank, I mean, nothing against those guys that left, obviously uh, we do know the, that where they went and, you know, they're all very talented uh, people and uh, they're enjoying a lot of success and that's great. But I think there does come a time where, you know, maybe it is time to shake things up a little bit and it's time for, you know, some people to maybe move on to other opportunities. And like you said, it creates other opportunities. And I just, I thought it was an exciting time for Ring of Honor because it was like, okay, what are you going to do now? And um, again, I just think bringing in some of that new talent, which you were part of, and all of a sudden you have fresh matchups and different things. It's, you know, I think it's fun sometimes to hit the reset button. So Absolutely. And I think everything's temporary as well. Like everything has a shelf life for so long. Just because this was the case at this point in time doesn't mean to say that a year or two later that we could be in a completely different predicament. You know, it's right. going to be interesting coming back from, uh, from the pandemic because it's going to feel like somebody hit a big reset button once again, and it's going to be a completely different landscape. The wrestling business is going to have changed so much and we're only going to realize uh, to what true extent that would have changed once we're back and doing things. Absolutely. I mean, we've had kind of our reset already with, you know, the pure tournament and what we've done since then where we're doing the, uh, the empty arena TV tapings, but yeah, there's going to be another reset because we've got some great international talent that hasn't been able to perform uh, in, a, in, in a ring of honor ring in a long time. You're part of that. You know, the people in Australia like Slex and Adam Brooks and, you know, there's uh, Kellyanne who hasn't made her debut yet. There's of course, yeah. Ireland. Yeah. So when all of you are able to come back, I mean, it's just, it's such a talented roster. And like you made the point too, not only is there a lot of talent there, but what a great mindset and attitude that everyone has where they just want to put on the best show possible and really live up to that best wrestling on the planet mantra. So. Absolutely. Know. And the thing that you got to think as well is that, the further you pull an elastic band back, the, the further it fires forward, right? So, you know, yeah, sure, there might be a point in time where you feel like you may have lost something. There may have been, you know, uh, an opening, you know, um, there might have been a, a hole, you know, whether it be or a somewhere. missed opportunity yeah. or something. But, you know, things are going to change. Like we said, you know, things are temporary, you know, and things are going to um, move forward. Things are going to evolve. And I think that with Ring of Honor, we have a young, a younger roster now. There's a, a roster that hungry to step up to this you know to the the what's the word i'm looking step for, up right? to the plate yeah basically it's yeah. all about mindset as well and i think the ring of honor locker room really do have a great mindset i think a lot of people are going to be coming back with a lot of fire i mean they're going to be missing i mean whether you've been wrestling for whatever job you're doing it's it's through passion. Everyone starts off loving it as a fan. And, you know, whether you turn out to be, you know, a reporter or you're a wrestler or you're a promoter, whatever, there's so much passion behind it. And if you take that opportunity away and, you know, it, it feels at the moment it's at our fingertips because we're a part of it, but not quite because yeah, it's overseas. Do this because we love it. Right? Exactly. Right. So when everyone gets back, I just imagine it to be just it's gonna in, explode. yeah, it's going to be incredible. 
No doubt about it. And yet you're right. We all do it because we love it. Of course, Mark, you also do it for the money. So <laughs> and I love money. So, you know, it's just love all around. <laughs> got mouths to feed. I get it. It's true. <laughs> yeah, those kids don't feed themselves. No, no, believe me, I know. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to take our first break. Uh, we got plenty more to talk about uh, with Mark and Vicki Haskins. So we'll be back right after this. This is the prestigious one, Joe Hendry, here to tell you about shophonor.com. That's the new location to go to for all things Ring of Honor merchandise. We've got an amazing selection with the prestigious Ring of Honor logos, but also we've got merchandise for all your favorite Ring of Honor stars. So go support the company, go support your favorite wrestlers, shophonor.com. I'll see you there. Hey, Honor Nation. Check out the new and improved Ring of Honor shop at shophonor.com. Shophonor.com turns ordinary online shopping into a truly immersive experience. Our new mobile-friendly design is enhanced for better navigation and search. The recommended for you feature will showcase products based on your unique preferences or find exactly what you want as you filter any category by your favorite wrestler, size, or color. Go to shophonor.com now. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guests are Mark Haskins and Vicki Haskins. You guys uh, have been in this business, I know, since you were very young, uh, and you're still young, but you guys have both put in, I think, Mark, you said 14 years. I think, Vicki, for you, it's probably around that same. Yeah, it's, it's around the same. Yeah, it's shocking, really. I don't really like to think about it because I think, oh, God, I'm old now. Oh, yeah, did you get into it? <laughs> I can't figure out the year. I was 16. I was it was 2003 when I started training. So I don't think I was that far back. I think I'm 2005. I think that was my first show. Yeah. Like I had to pay my dues some of the old fashioned way. Like, well, I say that we trained. <laughs> it wasn't old fashioned way at all. It was like <laughs> we two years of training. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that's competent for a show, but it was still very much like a, a pay and dues kind of process mm. there where, yeah, it was kind of used in a Old way. Old school to, mentality. Yeah in, yeah, in a lot of ways, yeah. And just, you know, trying to instill it in us to turn up early, you know, help set up shows. You know, if we were in, you know, go and help poster for shows and what have you. Yeah. Do a lot of the, the jobs, the, the little jobs that you have to do in wrestling, uh, you know, when you're coming through as a trainee, kind of building up. And then, yeah, I think I did a year of refereeing before I ended up uh, hitting... So weird to think of you as a referee. I know, I know. Such a short, angry referee. <laughs> just, <laughs> just turning people off and suplexing them when they don't do as I'm told. <laughs> mm, leaving you away with that now. Yeah, I know, I know. But anyhow, so, yeah, year of refereeing, and then I think I ended up hitting somebody with a steel chair and becoming a wrestler. So, uh, yeah, that's Sounds how... about right. <laughs> and since then, it's been going all right. <laughs> so before you both got into the business, uh, were you both fans of the business growing up yeah massively i um i was a fan from i think age about 11 11 12 i kind of started watching wrestling and um at that point i was um the only thing i, I wasn't very academic like kid i wasn't very i wasn't very attractive i was just like this plump little dumpling um and the only thing i could really be good at was acting i was i was in drama school from the age of six and i absolutely loved it um, but I wasn't academic. I wasn't smart at all. And uh, I ended up uh, being in a wheelchair for on and off about three years um, from probably around 10 uh, to the age of uh, 12 or 13. And um, it was all to do with my, um, this is all in a nutshell, this is all to do with like, my mental health. And I was really struggling. And um, 
I remember being in my wheelchair and just my dad saying, oh, you know, we, we've got cable now. Let's see what's on. And he turned on wrestling and that was it. I, it, it's just been an absolute bright spark in my life since that point. And whether, you know, watching it or being involved in it, it's since the age of 12, it's been everything. Yeah, pretty much the same as well. I remember I used to get bullied at school. Um, yeah. Being an only child and living out in the sticks, you kind of, I think I just must have not been very good at communicating, you know, being a smaller kid anyway. I was one of the youngest in the class. I didn't have any bigger brothers or sisters, you know, being an only child. So I think I was just easy to pick on. Um, so I used to get beat up a lot. And I remember one time, just a kid had ended up, I think, busting my nose. I remember being covered in blood. And a few weeks later, a friend brought around a, a videotape of um, Bad Blood 97 and seeing Shawn Michaels covered in blood um, and getting beaten up by the bigger, scarier boy being The Undertaker. <laughs> but then, like, Shawn Michaels being able to come out on top kind of was when I fell in love with wrestling because I, I guess I could emotionally connect with him being beaten up by the bigger, scarier boy, but, you know, the fact that he managed to overcome it and succeed. Uh, spoiler alert for the match, but <laughs> but that was what ended up, you know, stealing my heart, and that's what, when I got involved. And, yeah, I was just a mad fan about it really ever since. Now, were you guys just uh, WWE fans, or was – I mean, there's a British wrestling scene, obviously. There was. Yeah. So I got into everything. I I became mad, so – um, I ended up, what was it? It was like DVDs, even DVD traders feels old now, like compared that to VHS. Old. That is old. <laughs> yeah, Half the people listening to this won't understand what a DVD I know, is. they'll be like, what? Yeah, you had a disc? You just download things. And, and just think, <laughs> ROH started as a VHS company, basically. Right, right. I remember getting uh, old ripped uh, VHSs where somebody had just copied it in their house or whatever and then was selling it outside wrestling shows and what have you, do you know? It just, yeah, so I, I think it was around 2002, a friend of mine at school um, got, me into, got me into British wrestling. Um, so I ended up going to a show called UK Revival in February 2002 and Eddie Guerrero and Grandmaster Sexay were on the card. And uh, Dynamite Kid was there as well. Um, so, yeah, that was exciting. I had no idea who Dynamite Kid was at the time, but I was very excited that he was there. <laughs> and, um, yeah, then I think, uh, yeah, I got to meet Eddie Guerrero. Just from that point on, I got into the British scene and then started yeah, convincing my dad to take me to shows around the country and what have you. And, uh, yeah, it just kind of really moved on from there. You know, I got into Japanese wrestling. It was literally everything. Like, yeah. anything that I could watch... Um, or even just, you know, see a bit of, you know, because that's the beauty of wrestling. I feel it's like music is that, you know, it's there's so many different varying styles. You can watch, you, you know, you can still watch wrestling, but two different shows will f give you a completely different feel, um, you know, based on who, how it is that it's presented and who they have on the show. And that was really just what I loved about wrestling was the, the versatility of it all. Well, Vicky, you mentioned something there. Um we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but you mentioned being in a wheelchair at 11 or 12. Can you just talk a little bit more about? Yeah, of course. So um, when I was, when I was a kid, I was badly bullied as well. So um, God, this is such a sob story, isn't it? We're cool people now though. So it's fine. Um, yeah, no, I, I was badly bullied and I, you know, my only focus was my, my drama. And um, I remember just taking a really, random fall uh that just knocked my ankle it was literally nothing and um 
my foot just started absolutely killing and I, I couldn't put any weight on it. And I, this went on for months and months and months and I had to go and get, you know, blood tests and get seen by God knows how many doctors. Um, and it basically came out of it that it was something called, um, algo dystrophy or RSDS. And this is, um, or for me, it was triggered by bad mental health. So when your brain can't, uh, kind of cope with something it, it will it will sometimes people like put it in a box in their brain and sometimes your body reacts in a way where it goes I don't know how to deal with this so I'm going to give you something physical so you can deal with that and um, that's basically what it did so it was due to you know being bullied from the kid as a kid just feeling a bit of an outcast um, just just being you know uh, overlooked and just just feeling just not happy in your in your own self and you know, because it was in my feet, I, um, or it was in my foot and it went into both foot, both feet at one point, um, I couldn't walk and I had to miss, uh, my first year of high school as well. So, um, I, I was either on crutches or I was in a wheelchair and, um, it was sitting down and watching wrestling that gave me a want and a purpose and a passion and something whatever i was you know gonna do with my life it was going to be in the wrestling business it was seeing linda mcmahon step up out of that wheelchair <laughs> it, was, it finally gave you the courage and strength to do the thing it was a moment <laughs> damn it. Uh, it it wasn't linda it, it was more steph to be honest but no it was uh yeah it, it was wrestling that that gave me passion and gave me a want and need to to do something with my life so oh that's that's awesome that's a great story Oh, thanks. I'm glad I'm not in a wheelchair anymore. But yeah, it's a, it yeah, it's fun to look back because you do kind of when when you go through stuff like that. Some people just, I mean, I'm I'm like this. I I blank it out and I go, no, I don't remember it. But in the last couple of years, I I have kind of come to terms with it and gone, do you know what? I should kind of say this story because there are so many other people out there that are struggling with their mental health and it's affecting them in so many you know yeah, weird and wonderful ways. And especially with this lockdown as well, there seems to be like everyone's in a tunnel and there's no light at the end of it. But I think it's just, you have to find your passion and you have to find your purpose and you have to be a little bit selfish. You have to focus on you. And um, I mean, doing that with wrestling has got me here today. So I have a hell of a lot of Something's working for you. Yeah, something, yeah. something's going right. <laughs> it's working. So let me ask you this, because you guys were so young when you started um, on this journey into wrestling, what are your uh, individual, what, like Mark, what are your parents saying? Vicky, what are your parents saying? Are they like encouraging of this? Or are they like, what in the hell are you doing trying to get into this wrestling business? So uh, my mom has grown, my parents grew up and lived in the same little country town all their lives. Um, recently, Vic was doing a family tree and went back like, 400 years and the family is still in the same country town like they <laughs> they've never left right so it got to so yes so it got it got to me basically uh so interestingly enough my mum um always wanted to be a, a ballet dancer but uh she you know her her mum always said no you can't do that you know just get a job and you know kind of settle down and do your thing but so my mum's perspective on it was that whenever she had kids, whatever it was that they wanted to do, she would 100% uh, support them and push them forward in what it was. So when I told them I wanted to be a pro wrestler, um, you know, my parents believed me and they were supportive of that. They were like, well, you know, give it a shot and see how it goes. And uh, my dad is a bit of an interesting character because he is a preacher for the United Church. 
and a science teacher for a military college. So I think because he had been through two very different routes and two, through two very different processes to get there, he kind of understood the, the need to want to get out and to explore and to really try and conquer a subject, whatever that be. Um, and in the event of the sun, it was, uh, it was wrestling. So, um, yeah, my dad is very much an old fashioned man where a conversation between him and I lasts about 30 seconds to a minute. And then there's not much conversation. It's pushing. That. I've had 10 yeah. seconds of you guys. <laughs> yeah. We'll catch up week to week and we'll be like, Hey dad, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. All right, cool. Well, good to hear from you. Nice to know you're doing well. <laughs> Bye. Um, that's pretty much it. You know, he just doesn't talk. Um, he's just always in his own little shell, but I, um, so when I, I think when I was a teenager, my mom saw it as an opportunity because he and I sort of drifted apart and I didn't really have a close relationship with him. Um, there was, she, and he was heavily involved with the church. There was, uh, training might have been on a Sunday. So there would be, a, my mom forced my dad to basically say like one Sunday a month, don't go to church and just take me to wrestling instead because he wanted to, you know, build more of a, a relationship with me. And that's ended up what happened. And, uh, it was a good, it was a good thing in the end. Uh, yeah, my dad, I have to build a, a more of a steadier relationship with him and, um, yeah. And, uh, pursue my dream at the same time. So mm. super lucky to have the the parents that I have and now I've got to pay it forward to our kids. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, parents weren't so on board (laughs) (laughs) just to put it lightly um I think my parents uh how can we put this they are the upper class version of the Brits so they're (laughs) they're they're very stuck in their ways my my father was a um a pharmacist and he had a local business and you know he was very much expecting me to become a pharmacist and very conservative (laughs) very conservative very take you know uh take over the family business and um that became apparent very quickly that I wasn't going to do that purely because on academic wise I wasn't you know the sharpest spoon and well they go sharpest spoon spoon in the cupboard that says everything doesn't it I was gonna say the shiniest spoon in the cupboard but no the sharpest spoon if you've got sharp spoons there's an there's an issue there hey (laughs) we got the sharpest spoons Kevin but that like it was just one of these things where I, I was always seen as a little bit of a rebel because you know my parents had a very a very good idea of what they wanted me to be and I have turned out the complete opposite. However, now my uh, both my parents, uh, you know, say to me, um, you know, how proud they are, and that they love the fact that as much as it gave them so much of a headache, I said at twelve, I'm going to be in the wrestling business, and now I'm thirty-two, and I'm in the wrestling business. And my mum just said, you know, you had an idea of what you wanted to do, and there was no stopping you. So I can take that from it at least. So. <laughs> I got to go back to one thing Mark said, um, your mom wanting to be a ballet dancer. You know, you hear a saying in this business a lot that when people try to, they want to give an example of how hard the business is. They'll say, well, you know what? It ain't ballet. But I've always thought that that is what a slap in the face to uh, ballet dancers because ballet is not easy. I don't know if your mom. It's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. It's a tough physical thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, if, you, if you've ever looked at a ballet uh, dancer's feet, yeah, yeah they're just destroyed. They it is tough. Like they force they force their feet into positions that um, yeah, that aren't natural. That yeah, are going to potentially damage them. This yeah, it's a tough industry, man. It's uh, it sure is. Yeah, people need to stop saying that it ain't ballet. Like ballet is this piece of cake thing. 
So here you go, Kevin. What could we say instead? It ain't. It ain't tiddlywinks. <laughs> it's not tiddlywinks. <laughs> hey, that's those, right. Those tiddlywink world champions work hard, man. They're crying. Oh, <laughs> you don't know the injuries you can get on uh, by tiddlywinks. I guess it could be tough on the, the fingers, on the joints, right? Could right. <gasps> you get arthritis. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so we can't even say that. I don't know what you can say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let me uh, talk about uh, – so, Mark, you said that you trained for like three years, right, before you actually got yeah. – you had to you know, pay dues and stuff like that. Vicky, you had a different experience from what I've uh, heard. That Yeah, so I – I kind of because my parents um were it all, it all started very quickly so at 16 I got to a point where after four years of saying I was going to be in the wrestling business I was really trying to find uh wrestling schools and you know find someone who could cater to teach me how to manage more than anything else because I, I wanted to be a manager I, I appreciated that I had to probably train to wrestle but I, I wanted to be a manager and so it was all about trying to find you know, someone that could teach me. And um, I ended up, you know, befriending someone who, who kind of was the door, doorway to the wrestling business. Uh, not a very good one, but a doorway at least. And then randomly asked me to come to a show to meet everybody before starting training, um, knowing that the only real form of training I have at this point is about 10 years of drama school, that's it. But in wrestling, you need a lot more than that. Um, and I come to the show and um, he's actually facing, he's in a tag with Raven and Punk. And before I know it, I'm in, in the back preparing for the match <laughs> with no training. And I just remember this one moment of, you know, because I think, oh God, I really wish, really wish I had some training at this point. Um, <laughs> just because... You know, Punk walks up to me, lovely, shakes my hand, really nice guy, really respectful, you know, asked me how long I've been doing this. And I was like, all of about 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> His face is just an absolute picture. It ends up going, it just doesn't know what to say and just walks out there and kind of hopes for the best. Um, but yeah, so I was kind of thrown in at the deep end. Um, and uh, yeah, kind of it started, it started from that, really. <laughs> did, did it go okay? It did go okay. I, I, started, uh, I started training to become a wrestler. Um, I found out very quickly that I, you know, I, didn't, I didn't have the same passion for being the wrestler as I did managing the wrestler. Um, so I, I always, any managing opportunity I could get, I, I, I would take that on board. Um, and then, um, yeah, started getting picked up probably about four years after, after that first show after a lot of training. So it, it did work out, but it was really, yeah, it was kind of like deep end. It just goes to show the difference. I mean, this, you couldn't have a more different story, right? Than Mark's experience. Mark is there toiling away three years, just right? doing everything he can do, you know, paying his dues to finally get that one opportunity. And you walk in to a show, didn't even know you were going to work that night. No, and into a no ring guys, With guys like CM Punk and Raven, who have obviously done a lot in the business, even at that point, uh, Punk was, had done a lot. Uh, I think yeah. that just goes to show the difference between 
a guy breaking into the business and an attractive woman goes to a show and it's like absolutely i mean seriously i got breast implants in the summer of 2009 and i got signed in the autumn of 2009 and that's all you really need to know <laughs> it's ridiculous it's it, it i mean yeah. women are luckily looked at a lot differently now which is great but yeah i mean this is what 16 years ago coming into the business it was a hell of a lot different back then yeah, definitely a different time back then. And that was way before the, the women's revolution and, and all the stuff that we see now with uh, great women wrestlers and all that. So yeah, yeah. I definitely a different time. And yeah, you really just, if you had a pretty face um, and it helped if you had breast implants, then uh, yep. yeah, there was a spot for you on the show somewhere. Exactly. Sure. I mean, I'm thankful I got it. I mean, I, I would never say, oh yeah, I was really talented and they just picked me up. It's like, no, I, I walked into that show as a <laughs> yeah, they took one look at you. They're like, you don't need to go to the ring. We can put Just you on a poster. The office. We'll sign you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's different now. I'm glad about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've even seen some of that at, on the indie level, some of the shows I've been to. And, um, you know, it's like whenever a new girl walks into the locker room and she's got the look, you know, like, we'll yeah. find a spot for you on the show tonight. Don't worry about it. So. Yeah. That's how I got signed, man. The <laughs> Ring of Honor saw me. I just turned yeah. up to the show to say hello, and they were like, who's this hot piece of ass? We're going <laughs> to stick him on the show. You battered your eyelashes and yeah. swooshed your hair around a bit, and that was it. It's because I'm oh, worth You do have a beautiful head of hair. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's... He does. He does. <laughs> <laughs> so, Vicky, did you end up in WWE developmental at some point? I did. I got signed in uh, 2009. And I moved over there. Yeah, well, yeah, I got signed as a wrestler and they were very much like, we want to, we want to, uh, you're a blank slate. We know that you want to be a manager, but we want to train you as a wrestler. Um, and at that point I was like, oh, I really just, I really want, I really think I could do something with, with managing. So, but obviously opportunities comes, uh, you know, very few and far between. So you have to take them when they're there. So in uh, 2009, I, I moved over to Florida uh, for literally a hot minute because I ended up realizing that it just, that, uh, how can I put it? The environment wasn't for me, I think is the best way to say it. Um, and I wasn't in the right frame of mind at that point, uh, at that point in my life to, to really give it everything I could. Um, so I ended up coming back home and taking a year out, just kind of getting my head straight, getting my feet back on the ground again. But yeah, I was there from probably uh, the summer of 2009 and I left uh, early January 2010. Let me ask you guys a big question here that I, I like to ask parents um, who are in the, you know, rest, people who are in the business, but who also happen to be parents. Mark, you said that you know, your parents were supportive of you getting into wrestling. Vicky, not so much at first, but now they are. Um, if your kids, and I know they're still young, but at some point they get older and they say, mom, dad, uh, I, I want to be a professional wrestler or a manager. Uh, what would your reaction be? They can do whatever they want to do. As long as they put, you know, they have the right mindset going into something, then they'll be able to do anything. And regardless of what that thing is, whether it's wrestling, whether it's, you know, ballet, you know, whatever, if, if they want to become a writer, I don't mind. Like, I, I just think that, I'll support them no matter what and you know keep an eye on them keep them safe but um like you would and and anywhere of the world but it's 
yeah, it's just you support them 100%, really. Yeah, it's just, yeah, being there for them and just pushing them in whatever direction it is that they want to go in, you know, it's just, you know, you might sort of know the way, the journey that somebody needs to take in order to get to reach their goals. And mm. it's just a case of helping them and, you know, trying to make them the best that they can be in order to get that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just, with my kids, I feel the same way, like whatever they want to do is fine, but also knowing you know, the wrestling business, as you know, for sure, is it's a tough business. It's a cutthroat business. And there's certainly it's, um, it's not an easy business. So I think, yeah, it's kind of that balance of I'll support you in anything you do, but also knowing that it's not easy. No, but I think, you know, when something warrants this much passion and it affects you, you know, this yeah, much you emotionally, it. It, I think it's not going to be easy. I mean, when you get hit in wrestling is in the sense of, you know, you miss out an opportunity or, you know, you mess up or something, it'll hit you deeper because you care so much about it. But I think you'll have that in any forms of entertainment, really. It's, it's just, it's about who you have there supporting you and making sure that, you know, you're living your own life and making your own decisions, but you know, you've got someone there on the back burner that if you do need them, they are there. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to take our second break and then we'll be back with more with Mark Haskins and Vicki Haskins right after this. Hi, I'm Quinn McKay, the host of Ring of Honor's weekly YouTube show, Week by Week. Join me every Tuesday for brand new episodes as we catch up on all of the groundbreaking ROH news and get exclusive comments from some of your favorite ROH stars. We also have some great weekly segments like Question of the Week, This Day in History, and Brian Zane's Top 5. Join me every Tuesday at 1 p.m. on social media and youtube.com slash ring of honor for week by week. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guests are Mark Haskins and Vicki Haskins. I know that not too long ago, you guys did something on, I believe it was Instagram, right? With Mike Bennett and Maria Canales Bennett. You guys did like a double date. Yeah, near to Valentine's Day, we had a little double date, which was the first time that we've all met, actually. Yeah, I mean, I got to wrestle Bennett a few oh, years did ago. Did you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it. Yeah, it was like, but it was like six years ago. I haven't oh, seen him in that wow. time, so okay. it was. Yeah, we were both accompanied by our uh, yeah, our hot red-headed wives. So uh, yeah. yeah, it was nice. It was good to catch up. Well, yeah. I, I didn't get to see that unfortunately, so I don't know if you got into this uh, on, on the show. But I, how did you guys meet? I mean, I guess I'm assuming you met through wrestling because you were, you were both in the business when you met, correct? Yeah. So yeah. basically, um, there was a weekend where I didn't have any shows. This has gone back years. And uh, a mate of mine was going for a rough time and he was a wrestler and he invited me along to one of the shows that he was on. So I went to check it out and it was just this really dingy little hall in, uh, in uh, like on a, you know, typically rainy British day. Mm. And I just remember going in and just the first match I watched was just terrible. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is, the worst show ever and then the, yeah and then you came out and i just remember <laughs> there was just like it felt like there was just this glowing light on you i was like looking around like yo did anybody else see this like super hot chick at ringside like at this really like poorly managed show <laughs> like it was like what the hell are you doing i here? wasn't like, poorly managing was, i was doing a great I, job <laughs> i don't even remember i like watching the match i just remember looking at you and then probably a good thing um yeah. and then uh months later I, I remember you uh so a friend had told me that you had ended up again with um uh, somebody who was a friend of mine at that time so we yeah. just we saw each other at shows we always said hello and that was pretty much it we might have had a conversation maybe once or twice and that was it and then um i, I think i don't remember meeting you at that show 
No, I mean... I really don't. I remember seeing you at another show where um, I think it was one of the FWA shows and you were sat across the ring and it was like there was a beam of light on you as well because I just remember your eyes being really bright and I was like, um, oh, <laughs> who's he? He's really pretty. But that's the first time I met you. But then like even when I um, moved to the States, you came to my... Um, to your leaving for my leaving yeah. party that I didn't know was my leaving party that was fun um, mm. <laughs> and you know it, it was we kind of like saw each other but never enough to kind of have a full conversation and yeah. hang out and then one day our the, mutual friend was around my house and I think you invited I was yeah. just texting him we were homies we said like, come on hang out you know come you know we'll, we'll go out for a, for a few drinks or whatever um, yeah and then and we decided that we were going to play wingman for yeah. each other that night and that, that set out. each other up and we just we failed miserably so came home and ended up together because we couldn't get any better <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't quite like that I think it was more so the fact that we bonded that night and then that literally it just happened really really fast I mean we were pregnant within six months of being together yeah my we? longest relationship before you was like six weeks and then like I think within a month we moved in together within yeah. six months we were pregnant and within two if years anybody we were married else and told me our story hours. I would it's go mad. but like Same. so little so crazy things as well um was i remember very early on there was just one day where i think you were feeling glum and because we didn't have any uh real responsibilities at that time i was like screw it let's go to the edinburgh fringe because yeah. that was on at that point so um we got a babysitter for frank the pug and uh then we just jumped into a car drove seven or eight hours up to edinburgh just got like a, a hotel there literally walked in and just booked a place i think and then um we just kind of hung out and we ended up getting there was a shop that sold uh christmas decorations mm. and there were these two little snowmen that we got them one said jack and one said lily and we all said that we would end up having two kids called jack and lily and then you know nowadays sure enough we do but if this even just like saying the- <laughs> it, this was like a month into our relationship that's a mad thing yeah if if anybody else had told me that I'd be like, yo, dude. Red flags, yo, bro. Yeah, you're moving <laughs> way away. too fast. Like, Run this away. is less than a month in and you're planning kids together. It's like, yeah, but it just, I don't know. It was one of those things where I was so career-driven for the longest time. I just didn't want uh, anything to come in the way of that. And I always thought, well, if I meet somebody who's special, then I know that they're special because I want to, you know, I want them to be a part of what it is that I do. Apart from that, I just, you know, had zero interest. I wanted to, you know, be the very best that I could be. So, um yeah my priorities definitely changed when we just started to hang out and we realized that we had a much deeper uh emotional connection than uh than uh that was every, deep. yeah super that was, deep, that was real deep. <laughs> this is a great story this is like a hallmark movie i mean this is- <laughs> <laughs> Maybe coming this Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's surreal. Like especially thinking back, uh, just about it. Like yeah, six months later and we're pregnant. Like that's insane. But and we're fine with that. Yeah. Like, okay. Cool. Yeah, we're just gonna have a kid now. Like uh, my dad was forty when he had me. I was twenty-four when I became a parent. Like you know, I didn't expect to have kids until I was a, a bit older as well. Mm. Um, but you know, there's definitely benefits to being a young parent of being able to be a lot more physically involved with your kids when you want to play outside in the garden and what have you. And, uh, yeah, yeah. They, they keep you young as well. So Mark, I think I saw something, uh, on your social media a while back where I think you had like a picture of Vicky or maybe yourself and, and Vicky together. 
and you're like, you know, I was the guy who had trouble getting a girlfriend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this is who I, this is who I married. So, I mean, how There's often- hope for everyone, man. There is. <laughs> this is, say. this is my life story, right? There is hope for everyone. Look at me as an example, right? I look like a, an oversized hobbit. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I do. I do. I look like, you know, Wurzel Gummidge has been working out. Do you know what I'm saying? So, it's, you know, but it's, um, yeah, there is hope. I didn't, you know, quite know how to approach this question because it's not like you're a bad looking dude, you know, like, um, but, you know, but you just want, let me guess, you want to ask, how does a dude like you get like a no. girl like that? <laughs> I, I wasn't going to ask it that way. I was going to ask it this way and say, how often do you hear people say, wow, that's your wife? All the time. Like it is lying. He doesn't hear that. I do. Well, they don't tell you because that would be seen as being, a, you know, a bit sleazy. <laughs> that but would be a bit they weird definitely tell me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But no, I mean, I'm on the same wavelength. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not deluded at all. Like, I know I'm punching way above my weight. Do you know what I'm saying? But, you know, um, yeah, I, I fell in love with somebody who was better than my dream girl. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm married the hell out of her. So she's, <laughs> she's not getting away. Do you know what I mean? But that's, that's what I want to say is that there is hope out there. If, a, if an idiot like me, a small country bumpkin idiot like me can end up with a, yeah, a beautiful, elegant lady like you, then there's hope for everyone. Oh. Well, you know, Mike Bennett, when, when I had Mike and Maria on the podcast, Mike told a very similar story. He's like, yeah, I mean, look at him. He's an ugly dude. You know what I mean? He, <laughs> he looks like he's been beaten with a shovel. You know what I mean? And you know, Maria looks incredible. You know, it does hope. She looks amazing. Yeah, well, you're right, man. They're, they're, it, it does give hope to, to a lot of people out there. So. But I mean, all, all kidding aside, like this, the wrestling business is, is very tough on marriages. I mean, if you look back at the history of it, you know, yeah. a lot of times, especially when both, um, both people are in the business. I mean, there's not like a great track record, but you guys have been together. What, I mean, you've been married, what, like eight years now or so? Yeah. 10 years this year that we've been together and then what? Well, yeah. I guess eight years this year yeah. that we've been married. That's insane. So this yeah, is a broad, I, this is a broad question, but like, I mean, how do you guys being in this crazy business, you know, how, how do you make it work and, you know, not sort of fall into some of the, you know, the pitfalls that other lots of other couples have had in wrestling? I think that often it's a case that people end up getting married for the wrong reasons. Mm. You know, like, um, I think that sometimes people feel potentially forced into situations or they feel, you know, it ends up just being kind of like, uh, um, something that they follow, you know, yeah. and they feel that, that, you know, it's necessary to be in a relationship with someone, you know, whereas um, I, I feel just speaking for myself, it was definitely the opposite in the sense of I didn't want anything to, uh, to, to get in my way. Like I wanted to focus completely on training. Like the, when, at the time that uh, Vic and I ended up being in uh, sort of getting together, um, when I, when I trained at training school, like it was not like any other wrestling training anywhere else in the world. I a hundred percent guarantee you that what we ended up doing, it was super intense. So, um, 
And this is only a couple of years into the business, but we were training, say, four gym mornings a week from eight till nine. We'd go and work a dead end job from 10 till five just to keep, you know, a house over our head uh, while we trained in, uh, in Portsmouth. Portsmouth was like uh, an hour and a half away from where I grew up. So I ended up moving out at 18, getting a place uh, with a wrestler called Joel Redman. Um, and we ended up uh, yeah, just having a, a shared flat. And then we would train in the evenings from six till nine and then potentially go back to, you might go back to the gym and do an extra hour of cardio after that, or maybe even get up early and do an hour of cardio before uh, your first training session in the day. And that was a three or four days out of the week. And then we'd be at wrestling shows every weekend. Like I didn't have a social life for from 18 to like 23. Like I really didn't. Like I just had my head down and I was focused so intently on just trying to be the best version of me that I could possibly be and just work on literally everything. Like the, the training that we went on, we were focusing on footwork, but in ways that I've never seen anybody else train ever mm -hmm. before. We were working on so many minor details. We would work on shoot fighting. We would have conditioning sessions, which would be brutal. You'd have to carry somebody on your shoulders quarter of a mile down the road and then turn around and they'd run back with you on their shoulders. Do you know what I mean? Like we ended up doing just mad things like six sets of 25 press-ups, burpees, squats, sit-ups, sit crunches, mountain climbers. Yeah. By the time you got home, you just wanted to go to bed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, so I, like I always knew when the right person came along, you know, that's when you, you know, tie, you know, tie the knot and, and you know, have that person be a part of your life. But it, you know, those are under the right circumstances. I think certain relationships are together because it might be convenient. Like it, it might be who they were at that point in their life. But, and I think that wrestling is one of those types of businesses that takes you on a journey you end up, you know, learning things about yourself. You see the world through a different view. The, you know, the person that you were ends up changing and being potentially somebody completely different, which is why I think when one person grows in a relationship and the other one doesn't, that's mm -hmm. when there's a strain on the marriage, particularly if the, the person on the outside of the marriage doesn't, um, you know, the, the, whoever it is that stays at home, they may not necessarily understand the wrestling business. They might not, you know, understand all the, the different things, whereas you did. So you yeah. would be able to understand the, the things that it is uh, like I'd have to go through on a. And uh, also I, I know how process. hard you, you work towards it and how hard you want to work as well. You know, that there are no off days in terms of like your training or even just like, sat there you know watching and learning or thinking about you know gimmicks to do or moves to do or merchandise whatever everything was about wrestling and i think when you're with somebody who is that passionate about something whether it's wrestling whether you're sharing that passion as well or not you need to understand that that's a big part of who they are so that becomes a big part of the relationship as well yeah. and i think as long as you have good like open communication and you are able to see, um, you know, from each other's perspectives as well. I think as long as you're open about that, you have, you know, it won't definitely work. You mean there are so many things that could be thrown into it, but as long as you have a good mindset going towards it and you're thinking, right, okay, we're going to grow together. I've got to understand he's passionate about this. I'm passionate about this and he's got to understand that. And you mm. move forward as a team. Yeah. I mean, I think that everything's just a bit of uh yeah, a bit of tip for tat. you know what I mean? Like if, you know, Vic supports me with what it is that I'm doing, if, you know, whatever it was that she wanted to do, goals, ambitions, mm -hmm. I'd be there to support her as well. I think that, um, 
you know, a lot of the time people's intentions, you know, may not necessarily be the same, you know, and every couple is different as well. You know, that's the thing that people easily forget is that everybody's an individual and everybody has a different metric of what it is that they want to live their life by. Do you know what I mean? Some people end up in relationships because they feel lonely and then end up realizing, you know, a few years in that it may not be a situation that they want to be in anymore, you know? And, uh, I think that, yeah, when you go through that process of being a performer, it can change who you are and you can end up developing as a person. And like I said, if the the person that you're with doesn't end up evolving as well, then there can be tension there. And I think that's where it sort of leads to turmoil mm-hmm. in a lot of relationships. Well, I think you guys are definitely, uh, you know, you sh- inspirations, I guess, to other uh, couples out there. So you obviously have found a way to, um, you know, to make it work in, despite being in a crazy business. Um, I got to ask you though, speaking of crazy business, uh, Mark, I I've heard it. I've heard Vicky described on wrestling shows. I think Ian Riccoboni's brought it up that, um, that you say that she's kind of like the crazy one or the psychotic one, right? Is that, is that, is that mainly for a wrestling storyline or is there some truth to that, that she's a little wilder than you perhaps? I mean, it depends in what way, do you know what I mean? Like we've, this is something that we've definitely recently discovered is that everything that I think your parents told you growing up was to, to not do certain things. Whereas the things that they told you to stay away from were all the things that my parents encouraged me to do. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. parenting wise now, you know, we go for a walk the other day, our kids giant, uh, like climb up onto a, a, a massive rock and I'm like, yeah, you can't get the good, like the hill now jump off it. Way. And you're like saying like, don't jump, don't jump. Like, you know, and I'm I like, that's mothering great. Instinct, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely, you know, I'm a lot more cautious, but I think from the upbringing I was given and having that kind of rebellious, <laughs> side of me I mean yeah there, there is a there is a part of me that is more eccentric than other people I think I but think everybody's crazy in their own way exactly. though right like you I, mean, know, I like barbed wire and bats and weapons and yeah like when we sit down in the evenings and you're like ah, oh, I just want to put my feet up and relax let's watch something nice and chill like a good murder documentary or yeah. like here's here's a yeah let's watch a documentary about some let's serial look, killer or something let's look like at some dead bodies yeah yeah <laughs> whereas I don't like that I want to yeah relax and chill and like yeah. chill out but then on the other hand you know I'll, I mean uh, what was it just a few weeks ago I ended up hurtling down the side of a hill and I realized that both of the brakes on my bike had broken. So, uh, yeah, I guess we're just kind of (laughs) a little bit wild in our own individualistic ways. (laughs) Well, I think the first time I saw you at a show, Vicky, was that, uh, I guess it was final battle in Baltimore where Mark, you worked the street fight with bully Ray and that match starts off with Vicky. You come out and you immediately get thrown into a board that's wrapped in barbed wire. So I was like, oh, that, that's a little different. It's normal. Doesn't yeah. every other, you know, middle-aged woman do that? <laughs> it, it's fun. I mean, I I always like the extreme stuff. I always like the extreme stuff. I, I like the shock. I love hearing the crowd's reaction uh, to something shocking like that. It's uh, I love it. It's my favorite part about it. So whether it's barbed wire, glass, it's you know, it's a beautiful thing to hear glass smash in a wrestling ring and then just listen to the reaction and just listen and just like because they always have like the initial reaction and then you have the like the aftermath of it. And it's just like it is the most beautiful thing ever. I love it. It's quite sad really that, isn't it? 
So have you taken a lot of terrifying. It's a bit alarming, really, isn't it? But oh, it's you... great. Nothing like a live crowd. But so that's Vic the weird thing fun. about wrestling is these are often scenarios that you end up going through. So when you speak to somebody who's outside of the business and they're like, oh, how was your weekend? And you're like, yeah. What have you done to your arm? And I then got you have power bomb through barbed wire. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a little different than the norm. <laughs> so Vicky, have you taken a lot of those spots over the years with like thumbtacks and glass and all that? I, you know what? I haven't taken thumbtacks, but I would love to do thumbtacks. I would love to do thumbtacks. Um, I've taken tables and stuff, uh, and plenty wire. of barbed wire, plenty of time, but I've never taken thumbtacks. That's definitely on my bucket list for sure. Okay, so Mark, I got to ask you then, watching the mother of your children take these kind of bumps, what's going through your head? I'm a proud man. I'm like, <laughs> my baby's taking that bump like a done. <laughs> oh, you know yeah. I mean? But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, on, on one hand, you know, I am jealous that it's not me getting to powerbomb her through a table at the time. But no, no, I'm joking. <gasps> sure. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's all coming out now no of course like uh, on one hand i'm like ah you know my baby's taking that like a trooper but on the other hand i'm like ah you just decked my missus i'm gonna have to come in yeah there's some pride yeah. and rage i'm gonna yeah. have to yeah beat the hell out of you now <laughs> so uh it's a mixed bag of emotions let me ask you about your first uh time uh with ring of honor before you signed it was uh 2018 uh one of the honor united tours uh, you had a couple matches. You teamed with Nick Aldis against the Young Bucks, and you also faced Jay Briscoe in a singles match. Uh, what are your memories from that time? So th- I think that was actually the second tour that I had with Ring of Honor. Previous okay. to that, I'd ended up wrestling Silas Young um, and ended up beating him, um, which was a shock because he, um, he had a, 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 something going on with Jay Lethal at the time, and then I ended up wrestling uh, Hiroshima uh yeah, Taka, yeah, Takahashi up in, where was it, Edinburgh that okay. same weekend. And it was just kind of like this feeling of just being super, like, excited. Like, the thing is, is that I feel like a lot of people, when you walk into a, a wrestling dressing room, if people don't really know who you are, they don't really expect much out of you. So when you turn up ready to go, like, I don't know, I get some weird kind of buzz out of being, um, you know, I guess kind of, not underappreciated this is the wrong word but kind of um when nobody expects something out of you that's your time to shine do you know what i'm saying so i just yeah i shot through that curtain like a, a bullet out of a, a smoking barrel and uh went out there and showed everybody what it was uh, that i was about and ended up coming back to the second tour which is what you mentioned when it ended up being uh yeah oldest and myself the versus the bucks and then ended up getting to uh, tear it up with, uh, yeah, Mr. Jay Briscoe as well in, in London. I think that was the first time that you came in, wasn't it, babe? Yeah, that, yeah. that was against Jay in, I want to uh, Crystal say. Palace. Yes, so, the one, yes. Funny story. So that was the same venue that I ended up going to my first British wrestling show at. That was the UK Revival thing. Uh, it was the same venue. So it was great getting to go back there years later and uh, getting to wrestle uh, Briscoe. But it was, uh, so the venue itself, actually half of the hall it's a big open hall but half of it is a massive swimming pool so it's so humid in there it was uh yeah i remember just yeah wanting to yeah go at 100 miles an hour and just being short of air constantly (laughs) you don't realize when the heat kicks in it's so much harder to go when you're on those tours are, are you thinking like maybe this could lead to a job with ring of honor or is that not 
in your, was that not in your thought process? At the time? Of course you are. Like anytime you get an opportunity like that, it's, you know, there's, you know, potential there to, to do things and to go elsewhere. A funny story was that halfway through, I think 2018, when um, Ring of Honor announced that they had the, the Madison Square Garden show, I wasn't even signed to the, com- to the company at that time. And I turned to Vic and I said, I'm going to be on that show. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give them an option. I am going to be at Madison Square Garden. And yeah, I think it was about uh, eight months later, I was sure enough, I was there. And it was mad that, you know, I mean, at the time Ring of Honor came back over to to the UK and I think it was August of that year, um, ended up winning the International Cup and then getting to wrestle Jay Lethal for half an hour in uh, Bethnal Green in London. And it was over that tour that I feel that the office w- took note of what it was that I was bringing to the table and decided to offer me a full-time gig. Yeah, I was going to bring that up next is the winning that International Cup. Uh, the guys that you beat to win that cup were Jonathan Gresham, who I think he's gone on to do some things recently. He's doing all right for himself. He's doing pretty good. He's, he's, he's all right. Uh, Flip Gordon and Adam Page. And because you won that tournament, as you said, that got you the title match against Jay Lethal, which you then went out and had a 30-minute match, which has gotten, you know, that match has gotten rave reviews. So I, I'm thinking at that point, you got to be thinking, wow, they, they just put me over three of their, you know, top guys. Uh, put me in the ring for 30 minutes with their world champion, Jay Lethal. Um, now, of course, you were the local guy, so, you know, you're going to win the cup or whatever. But I, I, at that point, you got to be feeling pretty good about how Ring of Honor is feeling about you. Yeah, I mean, for sure. And at this point, I think this was maybe the third tour that I'd done for them. So I felt like it, the fact that I kept being called back was, you know, um, a good sign. yeah, step in the right direction. And yeah, like I said, if you're, a, you know, Anytime that you wrestle for a new company, right, that's an opportunity to go out there and reestablish what it is that you are about. It's your chance to step up and show people on a completely different platform what it is that you're capable of. So, of course, you're always thinking about this could lead to future things, but, you know, wrestling business is crazy. You know, it's, it's, it's such a topsy-turvy time. You know, um, you, know, you can be in a certain position for a very long time and then, you know, within the space of like almost overnight, uh, you know, in a lot of cases, people's careers have changed just because of yeah. one little decision. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, uh, it's such a crazy business, but I guess that's what life is. Do you know what I mean? It's just, you know, things can just happen happen in the spur of a moment and that changes the course of history um and with ring of honor i guess that you know i felt like the the signs were there that if i was being invited back that they obviously liked something that they saw um so it was just a case of just trying to work on that and each time they saw me trying to get better and better and like you said you know you go in there with some of their top talent and when you end up um steamrolling through them and you know getting that sort of that that shot at bethnal green it was one of those things where i felt like because it was main event, obviously they thought that I was capable of having like a main event level match with Jay. You know, if it, it, you know, people say like oh, I could be the local guy or whatever, but at the end of the day, if you know, if you haven't got the goods, you're not going to end up in the right positions. Do you know what I mean? Or if you do, you know, you're definitely not going to go 30 minutes with somebody like Jay. You know, Jay's arguably one of the best wrestlers in the world. Um, and you know, if you can't keep up with him, a guy like him is gonna, you know, is gonna cover you and you know put you down do you know what i mean so it's um yeah i i felt like the signs were there i felt like things were going in the right direction it was just up to me to try and make that happen and yeah and here i am today (laughs) yeah here you are today and and uh like you were signed not long after that tour you come in early 2019 you're part of a new group called lifeblood 
which was yourself and Juice Robinson and uh, Bandito, David Finley and Tracy Williams. And you guys got off to an unbelievable start. I think the first night of TV, you guys were in a, uh, I guess it was a 10-man tag against like an all-star team of, of Lethal and Gresham, uh, Jeff Cobb, uh, Dalton Castle and Flip Gordon. And you tap out Dalton to the sharpshooter. So, I mean, talk about a great start. You know, a former world champion taps out to the sharpshooter. You guys go over. It's a great start for Lifeblood. Uh, but then Lifeblood almost was like snakebitten right? Like David Finley got hurt. Uh, Juice Robinson decides he's going to move to Japan. And all of a sudden, like at one point it's down to like the three of you. And uh, I mean, what were your thoughts on, on Lifeblood, like how it started and sort of the ups and downs? When we got put together, I think everybody just kind of looked at each other and thought, well, this is like the oddest looking group, <laughs> like that, was, you know, in wrestling. But we thought, well, hey, like, you know, once again, opportunity, it's time to step up and to show something, you know, sometimes you get, you can only play the hand you're dealt. Do you know, so sometimes you look at certain situations and you think, okay, well, um, what's going to come of this, you know, but if we all band together, we can make something happen. Um, you know, you learn uh, along the way, you know, uh, things change. Like I said earlier on, everything's temporary. Um, you know, it was, it was a foot through the door. That's for sure. Um, and I feel nowadays with what it is that the foundation is doing is that's very, uh, um, it echoes of what lifeblood felt like it was going to be about as particularly early on but i think just yeah people ended up making different decisions doing their own thing and that's cool do you know what i mean like everybody's got to follow their hearts and do what it is that's right for them and ended up in a position where i think it just came became tracy and myself and we're like oh well i guess we're lifeblood now you know <laughs> and i think we were the it, it's a similar scenario in my life it's like being the the, the one that nobody expects to, you know, still be there or to be, you know, going strong or what have you is just basically being a dark horse. And that's what I feel like I've been is that, you know, while other talents who have come over over the past few years have been, you know, welcomed in and presented as if they're, you know, superstars and that, you know, they're all these different things. Uh, it very much feels like I've had to graft for every opportunity that I've given. I've had to scratch. I've had to claw. I've had to prove myself over and over and over again. And that's just basically what it is. I do every time I go out to the ring, there's never a night off. Like I give everything the absolute best that I can in that moment. Um, I never feel like you should half ass anything, particularly in this business. And it was just a case of, you know, making the, the, making the most of the hand you doubt, I guess, really. Yeah. Well, I think it's really obvious when you talk about, you know, never having a night off and, and really putting your utmost effort every time out. That's really obvious when, when anybody watches you, I mean, you can see that. And, you know, I, I haven't seen a lot of your work before you came to ring of honor. But since you've come to Ring of Honor, I've seen all of your matches. And, you know, I've never seen you have what I would, you know, a bad match or even an average match. So I think that's a testament, obviously, to the people that you're in the ring working with. But also, certainly. They uh, carry me so well. Oh, they yeah. make me look great. It's all on them, really. Please help me. <laughs> yeah, you're just along for the ride. But uh, Very much. Yeah, yeah. But no, uh, in all seriousness, like – Anytime you, know, you, you see Mark Haskins in the ring, you know that you're going to, you know, nine times out of 10, you're going to see a really, really, you're going to see a great match. And maybe the one time out of 10, you're going to see a really good match. So, and I'm, I'm not just saying that because you're on here, but I'm a firm believer in that. Obviously, you've worked your way up. You know, you had a title match with Roosh at the 18th anniversary show. So, uh, again, that's also a testament to 
you know, how far you had worked your way up the ladder in Ring of Honor. But, you know, you touched on Lifeblood's kind of mission statement when they started, and it, it is very much similar to what we're hearing from the foundation now. So I want to ask you, when you do eventually, and it will happen eventually when you come back to the States and you're part of Ring of Honor again, well, you're part of Ring of Honor now, but you know, you're part of the shows again. Um, the pure wrestling style seems like it's right up your alley. I mean, is that something that you want to get involved in when you do come back? Well, I was supposed to be a part of the Pure Championship tournament yeah. uh, last year. And unfortunately, because of travel restrictions, that you know didn't end up mm-hmm. happening. So I really feel kind of left out. You know, I had these opportunities that were coming up, things like a world championship match against Roosh, you know, uh, you know, the potential to be in the the pure championship tournament. You know, things were looking exciting. Um, going forward. So I do kind of feel left out. And I think that Gresham is an incredible talent and I love being in the ring with him. So who knows what, where things could go? You know, I very much would love to be, uh, you know, be the second person in Ring of Honor to win the Pure Championship and the World Championship simultaneously. But unlike uh, Daniel Bryan, who I think was a coward for uniting the two championships, I would love to defend them both simultaneously maybe even at the same time in the same match against two different oh, opponents. <laughs> <laughs> I love a challenge. That's it. It's just working out this past year has got me pumped up and ready to go, man. Like I want some challenges. So coming back to ring of honor, give me your best, but no, you are right. I do feel, I do feel kind of left out. I didn't get that chance to, uh, to run for the pure, for the pure championship, but who knows what the future might hold. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you got me excited just talking about the potential of you against Gresham. I mean, as the cliche goes, that's a main event in any arena. Yeah, that that would be incredible. Give me Gresham. Give me Roosh. These people are not ready. They don't realize that they have already lost the war. Ah. All right. Well, let's let's hope those travel travel restrictions end sooner than later, so we can. Yes. Well, I've taken up woodwork, man. I can just build a boat, and I can uh, I can you know swim my way my way across. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to take our final break, and then when we come back, we're going to play a little game that we call 10 Questions. Uh, Mark and Vicky will uh, we'll, we'll do something kind of, you know, when we have couples on here, we kind of do something a little bit different with the 10 questions. Mark will get five, Vicky will get five. Of course, they have no idea what the questions will be, but that's what makes it fun. So we'll be back with that right after this. Experience the show that's thrilling critics and fans. ROH TV. The reviews are in. It's completely different than anything in pro wrestling. I enjoyed every minute of this show. ROH TV delivers. Valiant Saint Raves. Take my money. This was awesome. Join the ROH stars for the hashtag WatchROH Watch Party every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Watch ROH TV. Start by visiting ROHWrestling.com and using our zip code lookup tool to find your local listings. We aren't in your area? Don't worry. You can catch us on digital channels such as Stadium and Stir City as well as Fight.tv. ROH TV also airs every Monday night at 7 p.m. Eastern on Best on the Planet, our newly launched 24-7 streaming channel, which is available on Stir and Plex. The newest episode of ROH TV is always free on ROHWrestling.com and the Ring of Honor app. Ring of Honor has never been easier to watch. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. It's been an outstanding conversation 
with Mark Haskins and Vicky Haskins. Now it's time to play 10 questions. Mark and Vicky, are you ready? We're ready. Oh, I don't know. I'm excited <laughs> though. And it is now time for 10 questions with Kevin. All right, well, we're going to go back and forth. We're, we're going to give five questions to each of you, and, and we'll alternate. And, of course, we'll start ladies first. So, Vicki, question number one. What's something that's popular that you don't see the appeal of? Kardashians. Oh, I'm with you on that. <laughs> I just don't see it. I don't, I'm sorry. I'm sure they're lovely. I just don't see it. Are they even – I mean, you're, you're, you're younger than I am, so you, you'll know. Uh, you probably have your finger on the pulse of – pop culture more than I do at this point in life. Are they even a thing anymore? Aren't they kind of like done or am I just oblivious? I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I see I see a couple of them pop up in my Discover on Instagram and every now and again. But realistically, I don't really, that's not really my thing. So like, I, if there was anything new about them or anything going on, I, I would be the last person <laughs> to find out. <laughs> All right, question number two, Mark. What's something that's on your bucket list? Oh, good question. Let me see. What do I want to do? Uh, I don't know. What is on my bucket list? <laughs> I am completely lost. I really wanted to rent a, uh, yeah, like an old um, like muscle car and drive through the desert from Lake Vegas down to California. Yes. I think I want we were yeah. gonna do that actually in yeah. Vegas, weren't like we? Rent an old Mustang or something and uh yeah, just tear it up through the desert, I think. That sounds fun. Yeah. I wanna get out and travel, do you know what I mean? Like I wanna go out and experience places again and yeah, get out to different parts of the world that I haven't been to, really. Yeah, I think we all took that traveling and, and doing cool things for granted. So now we're gonna just appreciate it that much more. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, all right, question number three. Vicky, do you have any hidden talents? Something that you're good at that we don't know about? Um, oh, this is really hard because I'm always really hard on myself. So the things that I can do, I'm always like, oh, but it's not good enough. Um, I was an artist for uh, a long period of time. I did um, kind of like my own version of pop art. So I guess that is... Yeah, your paintings were awesome. Oh, thanks. Oh, they were okay. I mean, they, I haven't done it in so many years, but yeah, I guess um, art would be a hidden talent of mine. Now, do you, have you made any of these uh, paintings public or anything like that? Have you sold any or are they just for your, your uh, personal? I mean, years ago, we're thinking like maybe eight to 10 years ago, I would sell, like, I'd sell the odd one or two, but it, it wasn't like uh, a regular income um, as such. But yeah, I mean, I, at that point, I put a few up on social media, but I didn't make a huge shindig about it. It was just kind of like something to kind of pass the time as I was having kids and, you know, wanted to focus on me when and if I can. So that was really what that was all about. Okay. All right. Question number four, Mark. Have you ever had a paranormal experience? If not, do you believe in the existence of the paranormal? Or are you a okay. skeptic? So, um, okay. So, yeah. Basically, um, let me try and set the scene here. So this is going back to 2014. Um, I had uh, a very 
different odd experience which i have never experienced anything quite like to the extent of what it was um and <laughs> precursor to this um i totally appreciate if anybody thinks i'm crazy coming off the back of this story um <laughs> you probably already did um but yeah like trust me i get it so many but anyway this is what happened and i'm telling you this because um yeah this is this is the thing so basically um what happened was is i was seeing a, a physio at the time uh, he was this big romanian guy and um he we were talking after the session had finished i think it was his last patient of the day so we were just hanging out and we were talking out and it was a proper lads talk do you know what i mean like he was talking about like going out and you know getting uh yeah, getting into trouble and what have you and on the weekend and um you know proper like lads 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 kind of talking basically um he had these these pads which were uh, connected to a tens machine that he used to electrocute you with and they were put on the um what was it the sink in the room it had like a high lip to it and the pad was stuck behind he put it behind the tap and he was stood in front of the sink talking to me and as we were talking this shadow like engulfed the room and it moved from like the right hand side around behind him and as it got to the the tap the um the pads fell on the floor and as this happened i just had this ringing in my in my ear and it felt like somebody was grabbing my arm and saying please talk to him i don't like it when he does this i just want him to stop i want him to grow up and i want him to move on and I could see this person stood behind him. And the only thing that I can say that is similar to is, you know, when somebody takes a picture and there's a, you get the flash, right? The flash from the camera. Afterwards, you can still see the flash there in your eyes, but you may not, you can't see it. Do you get me? Like yeah. you can still see the flash in, in your eyes, right? And it felt like there was this woman stood behind him and I felt like it was his mum. And I, I got this message and um, I thought it was his mum. And now I didn't know that him close enough to know whether his mum was dead. And I certainly didn't know how to casually drop that into conversation. But I, at this point, like he turned around and he picked the pads up and put them back. And the fact that he had inadvertently, like, you know, or inadvertently acknowledged what had happened just kind of made me think, okay, I, I need to know what's going on here. So... I asked him, uh, you know, we carried on talking and he brought up his godmother and I said, oh, cool. Well, you know, do you, do you, ha you stay in touch with your godmother? Do you happen to stay in touch with your own mum?" And I thought if he says that she's dead, I've got to have this conversation with him. And he goes, no, she, uh, she died in 2006. And I was like, okay, look, man, I have to have this chat with you. Um, but are you open-minded to, to paranormal uh, activities? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, just since those pads fell on the floor, um, I've had this ringing in my ear and it feels literally felt like somebody was yanking um, down, uh, yanking on my arm just saying, please talk to him. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I said to him, like, look, she, I think it's your mom. I, I, she says she, she hates you doing this. Um, she doesn't want you to do this anymore. She wants you to move on. She wants you to grow up. She wants you to, you know, carry on with the rest of your life and not do this nonsense and his as i was telling him this he started to get quite emotional and he was like she used to tell me this all the time and i i, I because i got the word angel as well i said well she's a guardian angel right because i wanted to see if that would trigger anything in him and he said well her name was angela and i was like oh wow that's mad and as we just carried on talking um he started opening up a lot about his past and just i had this weird image in my head like i hadn't met 
his girlfriend at the time, but I, I had, it was like an aftertaste, like an afterthought of just, I could see him, I could see his girlfriend and I could see this little um, baby boy, right? And I said to him, look, man, like I've never experienced anything like this. Like I, I genuinely don't know um, what happened here, but I, I've got this feeling like, and I have to ask, are you guys pregnant? And he said, no, why? And I was like, I've just got this, this weird feeling that you are. Can you do me a favor and go home and somehow um, convince your, your girlfriend to take a pregnancy test because some crazy patient that came into your work has apparently spoken to your dead mum. do you know what I mean? And he was, he was like, okay, so he, he, we parted ways that night. He, he calls me back a few hours later and it, the first words out of his mouth were, you don't need me to tell you what you're about to hear. And about, I think it was seven or eight months later, his son was born. Wow. Yeah. So, um, it was weird. Like we ended up disconnecting, um, for a few years and, uh, we ended up getting in touch this past year and, um, we, you know, sorted some, some issues out that we'd had. And, uh, I just remember when he had messaged me, I felt like I just had to wait a couple of days until the Saturday to the end of that week until I messaged back. And I had no idea why. I just felt like I had to message him on that day. And when I did, he got back to me and he said, today is the anniversary of the time that you told me that I was going to be a dad. And he sent me a screen grab of his calendar of that day. And sure enough, I was the last patient in on, on that date. So it was just one of these weird times where it felt like I just knew what I had to do, but I didn't know why. Like I just had to Got contact him. Yeah. Contact him on, on that day. And it ended up being, yeah, the, the anniversary of, of the date that I'd had this, uh, yeah, this experience. So, um, it, it was, it was very bizarre. And it was one of these things where, you know, I tell people and when I tell them they, they feel uncomfortable and I totally get that. Like I totally appreciate that. Not everybody, you know, believes in, in the afterlife and what have you, but like, I have to say from my experience, 100% there is something else. I don't know how, I don't know why, I don't know what it was that caused me to be the one to experience this. Like I don't, you know, pretend that I'm some kind of psychic or that I can speak to anybody, but you know, th this was something that uh, ended up happening at some point in my life. So, um, yeah, I kind of feel like I just have to tell people my story and I totally get it if anyone thinks I'm crazy for, uh, for, for, for thinking that I spoke to, to a dead person. Wow, that's, that is an, an amazing story. I mean, have you ever had another experience like that or was this just an isolated thing? No, there's been a handful of experiences, particularly on my uh, uncle's farm. Um, it was the night before our, our wedding party. We got married a couple of days before and then we were converting one of the barns to be a place where we could invite guests and just have a, a party, basically. And um, the original farmhouse had been knocked down to uh, one layer. And basically what used to be the original kitchen, which I think had been used for a workshop, was now an open plan living room uh, kitchen diner. And the, the house was like a corridor down to the the bedroom that was situated at the end um, is a little one bedroom apartment. And um, uh, Jack, our son was only uh, a few months old at the time. So we had to get him formula milk and we were working late the night before the party. So um, I went, I took Jack in the car with me. I took my mum, um, and we drove for miles. I mean, we live, you know, this was out on a farm in the middle of nowhere. So we had to drive for 20 minutes, half an hour until we found somewhere that might sell, uh, yeah, powdered milk. So when I came out of the shop, I get into the car and as I pull out, Vic tries to call me and I put her on speaker and uh, 
yeah she just basically said like how long are you gonna be and i was like i don't know uh probably about 20 minutes why and she's like please just get here as, as quick as you can and i was like okay and she was like i just like um i don't feel like i'm alone here like i feel like there's a, a another presence in this in this room right and uh when i hung up i was my mum turned to me and she was you know had said oh that's odd does you know does she think it's something you know paranormal and i was like well maybe and my mum was always closer to my dad's dad than he was his own father you know like they were typical um old school men they just never talked like i remember when i went to see my granddad with my dad we would sit in his kitchen for an hour at a time and just they wouldn't say anything and as a kid you're like dad i'm bored i want to go home and they were like no we're catching up and then they just sit in silence and you're like ah but anyway like um my mom had said to my dad's dad if there is an afterlife um come back and let us know and about six months after his passing she started to get his smell around the house so we get back to um the the one bedroom apartment on the farm we go in and um my mum starts walking down the corridor towards the the um the room at the end of the building and as this is going on i'm i'm checking up on you i'm checking and you're saying to me like look i don't know what it is um i just came in here i did it was a weird atmosphere right like it's because it i was oh had all my bridesmaids so there was a lot of like flustered women just kind of doing odd jobs around the house and then they all started to kind of go home and you know get their sleep in for the next day and that's when i started feeling that there was it it was almost like did not like the fact that there was about five or six women collectively in this house and in just really uncomfortable feeling yeah and i think you'd said something to it right of like look i, yeah, I, I just, don't know who you are just please leave me alone it like, sounds so you know. stupid but at those points you're just like um i can either speak to myself about this or, or yeah, feel and like hope, doing something, if you're like, like i'm doing something right? so i was like uh i'm vicky <laughs> <laughs> and you just feel so silly but it was at that point i was like i really do feel that there's someone here it's really bizarre feeling yeah. and you told me that it had moved the the presence had moved to mm. down to the bedroom right and you felt like there was somebody yeah. walking back after and forth i introduced in there. myself and said look um, just leave me alone for a bit please. yeah and then like you leaned into me and you said um there's i think it's I don't know. I get the feeling it's your granddad, and as my yeah, and as my mum steps foot into the bedroom, she just takes one sniff, turns around, and calls back down the corridor. She's like, "Oh, don't worry, Mark. It's just your granddad. I, it's a smell again in here." So really weird. yeah, it was yeah. It was Our lives have basically have had so many paranormal, random things happen, especially for me as a child. I had so many things happen, so it's just like there's so many stories we could pull out the hat. It's crazy. Oh. I had no idea when I asked this question that you guys have actually had such extensive. Yeah, I mean, I used to, I hate saying working in the paranormal because I don't think you should, but like, because I've had so many um, experiences um, and I mean, people call themselves all different things. I hate the word psychic because you just imagine just a red glowing light and, you know, on a street corner and you're like, yeah. let me be your palm reader and well, make think, money off it. Yeah, but, what I think it's associated with is a lot of people like ghost shows have to have ghosts on them. Otherwise, exactly. they're not a ghost show. So <laughs> it's not fun you know, otherwise. Yeah, but, you have to. In, in a lot of regards, there is a lot of sort of smoke and mirrors. Yeah. And, uh, production and a lot of things which i think can put people off because they think that that's an accurate yeah. representation of of what there is, potentially is but that's not necessarily the case yeah they get they obviously it's entertainment as well isn't it they've got to be excited and be exciting for for everyone to watch at home but like i used to i used to work with kids um i used to run a, a nursery school um in this private in this private school and uh by doing this in this in this private school 
I got in touch with lots of different people and found out that the school was, you know, supposedly haunted and all of this. And because I had so many um, experiences growing up with the paranormal, and then obviously working with children for a good part, like six, seven years, I ended up uh, on a couple of occasions helping younger children who were experiencing things and kind of helping their parents um, figure out what to do in the situation, whether it was something to be worried about or something, you know, that it, you know, it's, it's the kids just playing around, they've just got an imaginary friend or whatever. But yeah, so it's a, that's one of the, I don't even say job avenues I've been down, but um, because I, I don't, experience, I don't it? think it should be a job, but um, yeah, it's an experience, definitely. Wow. I mean, that, like I said, I had no idea when I asked the question that you guys had <laughs> so many, you know, experience. That's, it's, it's a shame. You guys didn't go when you were in Vegas. You didn't go to the Haunted Museum with the rest of the kids. Yes. We did. Oh, I did. Okay. Yeah, we, it was one of my things that I really, really, really wanted to do because um, I love the show. It's, it's a bit of fun. Um, I think the the haunted house was better as you got along, um, as you went through it. Um, they had some really cool historical things there, but sometimes, obviously, like we said, ghost shows have to play up to it. Sure. and they have to be entertaining because that's how they make their money. Um, so obviously after walking in there, I was like, oh, I can see that you've done this and that and the other to kind of enhance things a little bit. So I was a little bit gutted, but at the same time, it was awesome going around. I mean, there's no other place that you can see, you know, a severed head and like loads of haunted dolls <laughs> in, in one place. Um, but yeah, it was fun. See what I mean by the psycho is real. It's not, it's not <laughs> yeah. some kind of character. It's, yeah, let's go and look at seven heads, heads today, honey. Yeah, what more okay. could you want? <laughs> I think we draw it out at some point. <laughs> All right, well, I mean, God, that was such a good question and answer. I feel like the rest of these are just not going to live up to it at this point. Cause <laughs> Depends what the rest of them are. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, well the, the question number five, which is for Vicky, this is a much sillier question. Did you have a celebrity crush growing up? David Duchovny. <laughs> David Duchovny. Oh, okay. I don't know where this obsession with Mark and David Duchovny has come from. You started watching X-Files and now David Duchovny is in everything you watch. <laughs> I did, who did I have a celebrity crush on? Um, Gregory Peck? Yes. I really, I, that's really bad, isn't it? It's really not my... Um, I wouldn't say he would be my cup of tea now, but growing up, I thought he was so dishy. And he was like... 50 when I was like... Well, I was going to say, was this younger Gregory Peck or like when he got I mean, old? Kill- no, this was old Gregory <laughs> no, Peck. No! I mean, To Kill a Mockingbird is one of my favourites. Um, so I've watched that film so many times. I've read the book and everything. So I, I I just fell in love with him. I thought he was great. So yeah, Gregory Peck was um, definitely one up there. So it wasn't really like a Johnny Depp or anyone like that. I I, I liked uh, I liked Gregory Peck. Well, that, that's a very... Again, I've, I've asked this question a lot. Uh, I've never had the answer of someone from the Gregory Peck era. So (laughs) this is great. Like a good gentleman. Yeah. Okay. All right. Question number six, Mark, do you have a guilty pleasure? Is there something you like that you might not want to uh, necessarily admit? Not really. Um, (laughs) You're pretty much a book, aren't you? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, my mom was always open with me and I'm always, yeah, I'm very much open with, Everybody, there's nothing I feel guilty about enjoying. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, 
Yeah, there's nothing. You like telling people that you did the 4x4x48. Four by four by yeah, if you I can think tell by listening yeah. to this uh, podcast earlier <laughs> you on. You really that, like telling um, people that. You like- it's just the expression on their face when they're like, what is wrong with you? Like, you yeah. can see it in their eyes. They're just like, you have problems, man. And you you're like, yeah, I know. Like, 48 <laughs> hours straight. It wasn't running for 48 hours It straight. pretty much was. No. At the end, you were getting to the point where you were just finishing and then you're recovering and then you had to go out again <laughs> yeah it was pretty brutal but uh yeah yeah everything got slower towards the end of that for sure but no i don't think so like there's nothing that yeah i feel particularly guilty about enjoying like you know i enjoy woodwork but i wouldn't say i feel yeah bad about it yeah, you're very proud <laughs> yeah. about it yeah i like so well no need to feel guilty about that i mean <laughs> right all right question number seven vicky and remember, keep in mind, this is a, a PG podcast, but okay. what is the weirdest fan request or fan experience that you've had that you can tell? <laughs> um, oh, so uh, many. <laughs> so many there was, so I remember um, I wasn't on the show. Mark was on this show in uh, a small show in England, in Birmingham. And um, I, it must have been when... Paul Bearer died. It must have been around I knew there. Say, yeah, yeah. It, because this this kid who must have been 15, 16, came up to me at the merch stand in full, and I mean full Undertaker getup. Like early 90s. He, he had like... everything. Like I think he had more gear than Taker probably has. <laughs> it's just it's crazy and he came up to me and he obviously this is the one thing where it obviously makes you laugh but you can understand the passion behind it which again takes us back to the beauty of professional wrestling but he was saying i'm i'm here tonight in respect of paul bearer yeah. and i'm going to be the undertaker for the uh, the whole show and he was just going off he was promoing to himself but he was like this is probably one of the best days of his life because even though he just had such a tragedy in his life, he was just like, I can finally live out yeah, and be the Undertaker. Just talks at you and you don't, you're not really involved, but you're kind of there. Like, <laughs> Nodding and smiling along. I mean, you get, I think they're the ones that kind of stay with me. I mean, I've had really weird ones. Like I've been asked to go to China on a one-way ticket we'll by, by a random person. Yeah. yeah, we'll give you the return ticket when you get here. So oh, yeah. Oh, well, I'm probably going to miss on this one. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's been some weird and wonderful ones throughout the years. Yeah, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. All right, question number eight. And Mark, again, I had no idea when I asked the paranormal question that it was going to be so extensive. But question number eight is, if you could have a conversation with anyone, any person, uh, living or dead, like a historical figure or celebrity, or who would it be? And I don't know. have these experience. You might be able to have this conversation. I might like to hang out with God for a day. Like imagine that, or like an alien yeah. or something. Do you know what I mean? Like if aliens abducted me, I'd be like, yeah, like take me around. Let's go, like fly around the universe. Let's check things out. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think if is there anywhere. Well, I don't um, think we can get better than. I mean, God's a pretty good answer. I don't know that you can top that. But. Yeah, I'd be like, yo, uh, God, what were you thinking when you made this? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yo, uh, what was the deal with that? You know, what was your biggest regret? Like, you know, who was your biggest screw up? Who did you invent? And then you thought, I shouldn't have made this one. Like, that's a harsh question. Who do you regret the most? That's the worst thing to ask. All right. Question number nine. This will be a fun one, I think, uh, for you, Vicky. 
Um, obviously, you guys have a tremendous relationship, but when you've been together for a while, there's always something. When you live with someone for so long, there's always one. There's something that kind of bothers you. Is there a pet peeve that you, you have? There's something. Why do they always ask you this? Mark, stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know what I'm? When we first got together, I used to call him my whirlwind because I. This is a really sad thing of me. I love cleaning. It's really. It's the weirdest thing. I love cleaning. It's therapeutic. It's fun. So I like keeping my house. Not a certain way. I, I'm not. I haven't got OCD or anything like that. But like, I like to appreciate what I've got, and I like to look after it. Whereas Mark is a tornado. <laughs> so he'll come through the front door, and there'll be a sock in one direction, a coat in another direction. His wallet will go somewhere else, and it's just kind of like it, it, it is a whirlwind that just goes through the house. But and it used to really, really annoy me. But Obviously, since, you know, having kids and he's been on the road and I've had to stay at home, when he's on the road, the house is clean and I love it. But I get to a point where I'm like, oh, I need my whirlwind. Like, it doesn't feel like home anymore. So you have nothing to do. You need to <laughs> come back thing. and ruin the oh, house. Oh, I have, I have the, plenty yeah. to do. But it, it's one of those things where you start to appreciate someone's faults <laughs> because you're like, oh, man, I miss picking up the songs. Where is he? He needs to come home now. So in actual fact, the thing that would really annoy me about him turns out to be one of the things that I love the most, which is <laughs> bizarre. That I'm organized chaos. <laughs> I'm just I'm taking notes here. I just want to make sure I got this right. So so Mark, Vicky, you, you got hot wife, right? Who yes. uh, loves the wrestling business and is kind of a badass. She likes to like do these hardcore spots. Yeah, uh, very much. Great great mother uh and also loves to clean the house. I mean, is she a great cook? Is that that's the only other thing I can think of that fantastic cook. Okay, so that so every checks off every box literally. Dude, that is hope for everyone. You don't understand how how important that message is. If somebody like me can end up with a woman as stunningly beautiful as my wife uh, who's incredible at cooking and cleaning and being a mother, there is hope for everyone. It's trust just a me. little bit psychotic on the side. I yeah. keep my Hoover next to my barbed wire bats. Yeah, you just you know, <laughs> and you, I really do as you well. You manage the crazy, and you know you uh, yeah enjoy the good times. Wow, unbelievable. Okay, question number ten, Mark. You're going to get the same question. Is oh. is what is there? I mean, we just listed all of her her tremendous qualities, but no one's perfect. I mean, there has to be something that gets on your nerves a little bit. Something that annoys me about my wife. Let me see. Um, <laughs> He's going yeah. through his list. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's, it's quite simple. It's like I think the thing that annoys me the, the most is is when you don't believe in yourself. Do you know Aww. what I mean? It's like because I can see how truly incredible you are, and like you don't see that, which I'm kind of glad about because you'd realize that you're better than me and you'd leave. But <laughs> like on the other side, like it's it's frustrating when like like seeing it from the outside and you're like you should be doing like so much more or you should just worry less. Like you worry so worry. much. Like I remember the cat meowed at you once, and I was like, oh, that's sweet, isn't it? He probably wants feeding, and she was like, but he can maybe sense death. Like you know, <laughs> cats can. Anxiety, anxiety. Yeah, and it's like where. Like this has gone so much. Like the other day, you, like you were upstairs. You said, like as I was about to go downstairs and work out, you looked at me and you said, "Look after the kids for me." And I was like, "Babe, you're taking a nap. You're not gonna die. Do you know what I mean? Like I the kids mean will be fine. Like, 
know what I'm saying? But like, I think it's just, yeah, like letting, letting anxiety take over at I times. I am and not, a tad yeah. dramatic at times. I say. A tad. <laughs> A tad, Cats but yeah. can set death. I'm sure they can, but that's not the reason why he was meowing. <laughs> he probably just wanted a cuddle, or that's he wanted right. he wanted Food. like some dreamies or yeah. something. Do you know what I mean? But he's uh, yeah. But I'd I'd say probably that. Like yeah. I, so I now think. I feel bad about actually naming some. I know. See, I'm such a sweetheart, and you just yeah, you're that's like wow. Well, you know where do I start? This guy's terrible. He's just <laughs> you know, messy and smelly and ruins everything. Oh no. <laughs> I gotta stay, Mark. Mark, that answer, um, I don't know. It's very smart. I don't know whether to say that like, that was the smartest answer you could give or the most cowardly answer you could give. Oh, he's that, clever. Oh, the thing that's really Learn from me. Doesn't believe learn from me. You can learn a thing or two here. Don't give them any ammunition to be angry. <laughs> I wanted to hear, like, she snores or, you know, she bites her fingernails or something. No, no. I mean... I mean, just to put, well, the only thing that's happened really as of note recently, this is the first time it's happened in our entire relationship. So I think the stresses of lockdown and the pandemic is, has really got to you. But no, I mean, the first time that you farted in front of me the other day. Um, <laughs> that was after 10 years. Yeah, and it I actually fun. heard it. I remember <laughs> early on. So early on in our relationship, we I remember we were sat uh, in the living room and I could just, I smelled like this really bad fart. And like, I ended up telling off our pug, Frank, little Frank, bless him. I was like, oh, Frank, you smelly little so-and-so. You're going outside. Do you know what I mean? So I kick him out. It's the middle of winter. so And it's like late at night. So I kick him out in the cold and leave him out there for five minutes. And when I come back in, um, yeah, like Vic's just giggling, laughing, like crying, tears in her eyes. I'm like, what's so funny? And she was like, yeah, it wasn't Frank that made the smell. It was me. But... Uh... Oh... But held it in for 10 years. I mean, that's just. <laughs> yes. Yeah. First time I heard one. Yeah. It was a dear diary moment. That, it wasn't was. It? I suddenly realized I was like, she's given up. She's, <laughs> she's, given, she's given up. It's yeah, it. yeah. She's finally mine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. I, geez, I, I enjoyed this conversation so much. I almost don't want it to end. But Thanks, man. Also, we enjoyed it too. It's been awesome. Things must come to an end. Uh, before we uh, wrap up here, just social media. Uh, Mark, where can we find you? Vicky, where can we find you? Uh, this is Haskins on pretty much every social media platform that I'm available on. And uh, this is Haskins.com. Yep. And you can find me on Instagram, which is Vicky Haskins official or on Twitter, which is just at Vicky Haskins. Well, guys, thanks again. I mean, you're so generous with your time today. And like I said, I really did enjoy this conversation. And man, I just, I can't wait. You guys can come back to Ring of Honor. We can see you yeah. on TV. Maybe I'll see you at a show. It's just been way too long. So fingers crossed that we'll be able to do that sometime in 2021. Yes. Hopefully so, man. We're chomping at the bit back here. So we'll be, whenever the, the green light is on, we'll be ready to go. All right. Now, I want to thank everybody out there for listening and remind you that a new episode of the ROH Strong Podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHwrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked onto ROHwrestling.com and ROH's social media channels. That's at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also, for the latest ROH news and views, you can read my column, X-Files, which has nothing at all to do with Mulder and Scully, um, <laughs> every Friday on ROHwrestling.com. Until next time, this is Kevin Eck saying stay safe and let's all be ROH strong.
Hey, Kevin, mm. have I got enough time just for a quick bathroom break? Of course. Thank you, man. Give me two <laughs> seconds, all right? I told you to go beforehand. I know. He probably did, but he, he, <laughs> he does this before his matches as well. Yeah. Before every match, it's, I need to pee. And you're like, Mark, you're, <laughs> the music's playing, hun. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. I mean, I've had, um, I remember before, uh, this was probably when I was pregnant with our first kid, Jack. He, and we went to a show and I was just, I, I wasn't involved at this point because I was pregnant. I was just, you know, selling the merch and stuff. And um, his music was playing and I was like, um, where is he? This is really weird. And then obviously everyone else in the arena kind of like realized, oh, okay. Mark's not come out. Mark's not come out. You know, I could see everyone looking worried and then I just get pulled to the back and I go, we can't find Mark. And I'm dragged to this, um, <laughs> dragged down a corridor to this locked room, which oh, ends up God, to be, <laughs> sorry, what a time to move in. Um, to this locked room. And you just hear Mark from the other side going, I can't get out. Oh, that's tremendous. And there's just like these people trying to get him out. We're trying to get a janitor to try and open the door. And it ends up, it's just like his music's been played about five times in a row now. But he was, he was locked in the toilet for about three minutes before, which that was a long three minutes. It doesn't sound very It feels long. like a long time, you know, when everything goes into slow-mo and you just <laughs> yeah. feel like, yeah. Oh, it's this part of your song again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, I remember I went to grab the, the toilet door handle and it just came off in my hand and I was like, I'm stuck. <laughs> it was one of those ones that you have to turn the handle to undo the lock. So the lock was jammed in the door and it was just, yeah. Oh, it, it became a story. It was a dear diary <laughs> moment, wasn't it? 